tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Emma is producing today. Coming up on the show, Shane McGowan's funeral mass will take place in Nina this afternoon. We'll be hearing from Johnny Luby in just a little while. Uh, just 1% of Tipperary commuters travel by bus. We'll find out why. And our Friday panel will unpack the big topics of the week. So, all of that and much, much more on the way. We have some more vouchers for you, and uh, that's by way of celebration of Christmas shopping in Thurless. And today's vouchers, a uh, €50 euro voucher for Mars Care Plus Pharmacy on Liberty Square, and also a €50 euro voucher for Healthy Haven, and again on Liberty Square in Thurless. So we'll give you a cue to call where that is concerned, and it will sound like this. Ho, 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 ho! It's Christmas in Thales. And when you hear that, you might get uh, texting and uh, uh, WhatsApping or calling indeed. So 083 311 for your text and WhatsApp. You can speak to him, as I say, for 1800 938 Let's have a look at the front pages, the Irish Daily Mail, leading with the story that health spending overruns were appalling and presented a material and significant risk to our public finances. The public expenditure minister told his officials a month before the budget and uh, documents obtained by the Mail reveal that Pascal Dunhu issued a scathing assessment of Health Minister uh, Stephen Donnelly's management of his department, which he branded exceptionally frustrating. There you go now. The Irish Times, and they're leading with a, a very worrying story indeed. Record levels of... Uh, common respiratory illness uh, that particularly affects babies is putting children's hospitals under unprecedented pressure. Almost 1,000 cases of uh, this uh, particular respiratory uh, illness were notified to authorities uh, last week. It's RSV. And almost 370 patients, most of them children, were hospitalised. Also on the Times today, a temporary story, um, a contract to sell the disputed barn estate in County Tipperary to an Irish property developer in the United States has been agreed, the Irish Times has learned, the um, 751-acre estate just outside of Clanwell is the subject of a case in the commercial court involving its owner and billionaire horse breeder and uh, businessman John Magner. So it's a very interesting story in the Times today as well. The Irish Indo, and they're leading with the story that insurers have been accused of taking the public and politicians for a ride after it emerged that uh, premium rates have started to creep up again despite a collapse in claims. No surprise there for those of us who purchase insurance. Uh, the uh, Irish Examiner, their lead story, uh, there's been an 8% rise in domestic violence reports this year compared to uh, 2022, with 54,000 complaints made to date in uh, 2023. Uh, it comes as guiding warn of heightened fears of violence in some households uh, with Christmas approaching. And also finally on the front pages today, 
the Taunishta Michal Martin has taken the first legal steps to uncover those behind false adverts uh, linking him to cryptocurrency scams. So that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to make comment on any of that, again, it's 083 311 Time for Johnny Luby. Morning, Johnny. Friend, how's it going, mate? It's going very... How's the cold, Johnny? Oh, friend. I have it a couple of days now. I have to shake it off, you know. Imagine... Well, Catherine was gone to Canolte uh, yesterday, minding the grandchildren, so she stayed in Canolte last night. And mm. I was here, I was like that film on television, Home Alone. <laughs> and uh, I was gone to bed, and about 10 past 12, the phone rings. Yes. Your woman is on the line. Nellie O'Connor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My God, friend, she's something else. <laughs> you know, she said to me, uh, you were cold. I didn't, she said they were talking about that bingo. I said, Jesus, nearly a gent nails to discuss on my bloody cold. She said, I'll tell you what to do. I said, right, nearly go on. I was half asleep and half awake. She says, will you put Vic on the soles of your foot? Do you ever hear that? <laughs> That's what she keeps telling me to do as well. Yeah, and she said, make sure you wear gloves. And I said, why? Because she says, if you want to get up for a piddle, she said you'd want to be very careful handle, handling the playground area. I said, Nelly, would you ever speak up? I said, no, up or not. The things that concern Yeah, she gave me snuff recently, you know, um, oh, as a cure for my cold up in, up in the tea rooms at Anacarty. Yeah, I'm still recovering you know, she from said, it. She said because uh, she, uh, Billy put uh, Vic on the soles of his foot, she said, and he was out of bed for about a month. <laughs> You better get down to, to, to business. Of course, Shane's funeral today, Johnny. Yeah, Shane's funeral today in Nina. As your friend, yeah, it's that occasion, you know, and, yeah. that, and I had threatened all the week only for this bloody cold to go up to uh, Philly Ryan's bed yeah. to meet the lads above and have the chat and the whole lot, but I will maybe in the next week or two uh, get up because, uh, like, I've no doubt Nina will be thrown today simply to show their respect to one of our finest sons, mm. Shane McGowan. Well, that's, that's, that's uh, for sure. I'll be, I'll be speaking know, to Philly after 10, in fact, so we're looking forward to chatting oh, to yeah, him later. Yeah. You know, friend, and our sympathies to the families and the connections and the entire area from the Silver Mines to Nina and all of Tipperary. It is wonderful that Tipperary uh, has appeared big time uh, with the associations with Shane McGowan and his Grand for ourselves and that, but look, the Lord of mercy upon his soul and sympathies to everybody there concerned. Oh, for sure. What about GAA, Johnny? Yeah, friend, of course, it's a big weekend in the under-21 football finals. We have uh, Clamel commercials against uh, Kappa White Gale. That promises to be a fine game. That's in Golden tomorrow, I think, at one thirty. I suppose an all-known form, one would say the commercials would be raging hot favourites, but they tell me that Kappa White Gales aren't too bad, and I've no doubt that they'll turn up tomorrow and give uh, Clamel commercials a right game of it, and the very best of luck to both teams, but I suppose especially Kappa White Gales are from, from our own neck of the woods here in uh, West Tipperary. And on Sunday then, it was originally for tomorrow, but on Sunday then we have the under-21B football final with my beloved parish Golden Kilfeekle taking on the buys from uh, Mile Rovers. And mm. That game is in care at 1.30 on Sunday. Again, it promises to be a, a tremendous final. I suppose Mile Rovers being more or less recognised as a football club whilst they're well able to play the hurling game down there. Uh, I suppose they are associated with football. They possibly would be favourites coming into this, but personally, I think we have a grand batch of lads coming through in Golden Kilfeekle from the under-16s uh, upwards. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, and that, that's not to say that the 14s and 12s and them are well looked after they are, but in the teenage years, I think uh, Golden Kilpeak, there are fine batch of lads coming through that are well able to play hurling football. And I see one, a few of them are playing a bit of soccer and one or two of them are playing a game of rugby or they've come through the rugby system. So the very best of uh, look to Golden Kilpeak against my Rovers, that game is in Cairo on Sunday at one thirty, And I suppose I've just... Uh, whilst we're on the G, I suppose this pay go thing is uh, uh, big again because I see the likes of Cork next year they play four games in Munster, of which three of them are on pay yeah, as you go or pay yeah. go or whatever they call yeah. it. GAA go, yeah. Gee, quite no doubt Michal Merton will get involved in this because the rebel Oaks don't like that carry on and I see the Dunlop Cusick is given out about mm. it and that talk about promotion of hurling and I can't understand myself to this day why we can't show the games they can give us all the things about cameras and the whole lot but what I see about the television is if Munster or Connacht or Ulster are playing uh, sometimes the games uh, are down for Tina G and I've no problem with that but it is very rarely Leinster or on Tina G mm. uh, it mm. is normally on the RT1 or RT2 uh, televisions or TV3 or whatever but Anyway, that's for another day. But, yeah, uh, but people, people yeah, are very yeah. angry about that. But they're not returning on it. I'm not sure that Michal Martin or anybody else can do anything about this, this Don't point. you know the power of politics now if they mm. get involved and if Michal Martin wants it because that's where he gets the vote down there. Uh, and that, that's the way that it'll be awarding somebody's ear. Yeah. Like Delby said to Rodney and talking about his mother that was in heaven. Uh, look, if you could pull a stroke, have a word in the right ear. And that's all you need ever to do is have a word in the right ear and something will be done along the way. Yeah. The rugby, of course, is a huge weekend with the Heineken Cup starting and Munster seems to be flying it at the moment. Uh, I think they play tomorrow uh, and that the best of luck to them. Ulster and Connacht and Leinster are all out. Connacht uh, play this evening, so it's the start of the Heineken Cup campaign. Last weekend, of course, we had big wins for uh, Nina and uh, Cashel, who are the two big teams in uh, Division 2A of the AIL. Mm. Tullus and Kilpeakle also uh, kept going well. Whilst the Havlook team are probably Clonmel, uh, they were leading 24-7, from what I gather, in or around half-time, and lo and behold, they were beating 27-25 or 27-24 or whatever. Mm. But uh, they're away tomorrow, and uh, they're at home the following weekend, then against Ennis Carty. Uh, now is the time to make a move up the league, uh, uh, tables and I've no doubt that Clanmel will move up along the table. Uh, fed up not tipping away okay but uh, they have uh, maybe two or three big injuries and it's not uh, uh, an easy thing to overcome when you're uh, trying to make a name for yourself in the second division there. Uh, Carrick actually had a good win last weekend and fair play to them but uh, I suppose uh, it's like everything else uh, the big one coming up again is uh, Kilfiekler in the All-Ireland semi-final on tomorrow week above on the hill at 2.30. Mm. Uh, they're the only Tipperary team ever to have won this All-Ireland competition and some great teams have come out of Tipperary but Kilfiekler have won it. They've been beaten in the final and on Saturday next at 2.30 on the hill they play uh, Bally Clare, the Ulster champions at 2.30 so there'll be a big crowd in Kilfiekler tomorrow week at 2.30. Uh, then you have... Uh, uh, other games will be uh, going on as well. But I suppose then the day after that game, uh, the big one is the horse racing in Tullus, Friday. It's mm. their big day. It's the biggest day of their maybe 12 or 14 race programme. Is that the there. 17th, that's, Johnny? That's the Sunday, December the 17th. Yeah. There'll be a huge crowd there, friend. I have no doubt about it. And I'd go as saying, Santa Claus will be there and all of that. Go and be well togged out and go early and enjoy the festivities. It's the run into uh, uh, Christmas Day. So the best of luck 
up to them top class hostels always run in Tullus. They have magnificent facilities. They've upgraded them to the last and there's plenty of tents and bells and the crack around and top class food and everything else. So Tullus on uh, Sunday week is got uh, there around uh, 12 o'clock. Uh, I just have a note here. Somebody saw you putting a bike into the boat of the pair <laughs> and he passed the remark to me. I said, what does that mean? He said, it means he says, Eamon Ryan has been bloody well converted. I said, I, I doubt if Frank Curry is for converting. No, I don't. The, the bike is for sale, by the way, if anybody's interested. <laughs> oh, Jesus Come here a minute. Is this is yeah the uh, of course the world climate thing was on there as well and it's still going on mm. and all of that. Eamon Ryan wants to come home and they were all saying is he using a plane or a bike or what is he doing and that lo and behold then somebody pulls out of the doll vote and mm. as a result of that then he hadn't uh, to uh, uh, come. Yeah. But uh, I suppose it's like everything else. Uh, this climate change friend look we probably have to get our heads around it but uh, I, I wish to God RTE sometime would give that George Lee some bit of good news <laughs> I mean he comes on every day of the week and there's something wrong here and something wrong there and you just can't switch off fossil fuels and all of that thing like that. Maybe we can tone them down a small bit. I haven't a clue but about yeah. this uh, uh, you're climate not, You're change. not a fan of George Lee no? Uh, no, I'm not. Until he starts telling, he hasn't told us one bit of good news. I'd say <laughs> in a long, long time. And you know, I was watching the Doyle Channel, friend. I'll just have it down here, five one four for anybody that's out there. And uh, uh, at the times, it's classical. I mean, the other night or day, I was watching it. There was three people in the chamber. Yeah, yeah. Know. You know, and to me, I don't care what anybody says about politics. Hey, everything is parish pump politics, mm. especially when you hear Danny Healy Ray and uh, all the, all of them standing up and they're talking about and the way he talks. Like I'm telling you, from Cahas I be now to Gugan Barra, there's no lightning. Some of the houses they can't afford it. Look, it's all uh, that going on above the doll. Somebody else, like by Barrett or Mur- Paul Murphy or somebody else, gets up then and talks about maybe a, a, a national school in Dublin and they want this and that and the other thing. Surely to God there's another place for that. I don't know. But well, anyway. well, there is, but it's the local authorities. But you see, they, there's votes in all of that, you see, Johnny. That's so. right, yeah, you see, Fran. And then the whole week was taken up with this vote of confidence in... Uh, Helen McEntee. Uh, yeah. Helen McEntee. Mm. Now, look... You have led to give out about it. We nearly had a few words there one night above in Stonewall, I was it in the bridge house about this, and it, uh, she was wrong. And I said, lads, listen. I said, you must remember that uh, this isn't the only time uh, that there has been a vote of confidence. I said, it's gone back a long, long time, 40, 50-odd years. I said, look at Fine Gael Minister, Simon Coveney. He saw his way through a similar vote over his botched effort to make former minister Kathleen Catherine Zappone a special... Irish UN invite. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, there was that. Then he was the Tottenham of Fianna Fáil Luminary Housing Minister Darrow O'Brien to see off another such opposition. Uh, and that I don't blame uh, the opposition for having a vote of confidence. I honestly believe it's good because it might make the Helen McEntees and the Darrow O'Briens and everybody else out to sit up and say, listen, we're getting well paid to do our job. We should be doing it better. We should know what's going on because at the end of the day, the book stops with the boy. Hmm. That, that sounded very. That sounded very like a political broadcast to, to me, Johnny. Well, and, and there's still time. people asking me, including prominent political types, uh, what's Johnny's intention where the election is concerned? Yeah, well, I suppose if I was to go, friend, uh, could you get big under an expense? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know for any anyway. You want right. Vic you see, as a, an expense, okay? Yeah, then you see and and fix it and all of them <laughs> things that I do need. But Frank, then you see uh, uh, Michal Merton. I mean, he fired that Derek Cleary, wasn't it? Yeah. He fired yeah. Mister Cowan. Yeah. So like he didn't show any vote of confidence in him at all at all himself. He just got rid of him. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's about time. If all the people could come back who are big into Fianna Fáil and Fingale and the whole bloody lot, if they could come back and think that they're kissing each other now in bed and it's all about power and greed and the Greens with six or seven seats, uh, they decide what's happening in Ireland. Mm. So, like, when they come the next time around for elections, I'd be asking them out or somebody, if I'm going myself, to uh, ask me, are you going to side? There's people siding with the government there, and we didn't actually put them in for that, but they just do their own thing then, and that's it. But look, when I get sped up... Yeah, sure, I know you do. Time, can I, you can I tell the listeners that I was embarrassed by you yesterday because we had a couple of pints in, in, in the, the Bridge House there, and Shawnee and Catherine looked after us very well, and then you produced a tube of fixident from your pocket and put it on the bar counter. I have never seen it. that in my life in a public house. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus. I, I'd never go without it, you know. It's like the long john to this time of the year. I just, I just have to fix it, and, and that is it, because uh, there's nothing more about uh, Anyway, look, I'll have to get on to your man in Clonmel, Tom, the teeth doctor or tooth doctor down there in in uh, the O'Connell Street in Clonmel, the man for fixing all them things. Ah, sure, great. Friend, Tell uh, me about Brown's supermarket in Clohean, because oh God, uh, that I, was uh, great, friend. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, last Saturday morning I decided then here I just said to Captain listen, I'd better go down to uh, Colin Brown's uh, supermarket in that lovely neck of the woods in Clarine. I must be there around 11 o'clock and he arrived on about 20 past 11 and you swear to God was St. Patrick coming back into the hill and kill people. <laughs> they were all waiting there to get a photo taken and everything else and of course I had to buy a, a tube of fixing hadn't I, off Colin Brown <laughs> to make sure that I was smiling fairly right and the whole lot and I met your niece down there, Emer. Emer, Emer Curry, yes. 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 Emer Curry, I love yeah. But, uh, friend, the place was rocking down there. It's a noble supermarket out in the, that lovely little village of Clahean. And they were doing a coffee morning for the uh, Skull Cork in Cashel, that wonderful additional need school. Mm. And, like, in a small place like that, to raise, was it 2,800 or up again 3,000 wow. euro? Isn't it absolutely fantastic? fantastic? And I have no doubt that, uh, look, the people of Cahin and all over Tipperary, Fran, any time we mention the hospice or the Irish Cancer Society or the Additional Needs School or all the other wonderful charities out there, people rally to the cause. And I, I don't care where they are the world over, Irish people are absolutely the best. They're, they're fantastic, but, uh, yeah. Were you yeah, fundraising yeah. down at the Dome as well, weren't you? That's right, there? Jeff. Yeah. And Saturday night with a huge night then at the Dome in Tullus. I'm like a bloody TD going around looking for votes. <laughs> uh, I had a bottle with Jackie Kell at the counter. And, of course, Mr. Lowry was on stage uh, strutting his stuff there with the uh, uh, some kind of a suit and jacket. And Carl Bowers was there and also Mikey Kell and uh, Brian O'Mara and Dennis Ryan, he of... Uh, mid-tip aisle or something or whatever, uh, they were all strutting their stuff on the, on the boards and a huge crowd. It was a wonderful night and it was for the palliative care and uh, mm. and uh, that. So uh, hopefully they made a good few quid out of it. Then I met a fella called the Skinner. I think you know him, Skin. I do, of course. I do, of course, yeah. yeah. What was you know, he up to? He, well, he was SC. Oh, you know SC is? I, I do, I do. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho uh, and all and of that, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And he was top as you know. Mm. He had a heap of gifts to give out and everything else, you know, and uh, that. But, uh, 
friend, uh, dinner course, I got a lesson to day from uh, Paddy Collins down in Fremont in Charleville. Ah, sure, I know Paddy well. I know him yeah. well. Yeah, a fine old scout, and he put down on the envelope, Johnny Luby, Millionaire's Road Gold, <laughs> County Tipperary. <laughs> and the postman said to me, you're after being upgraded, he says, from the fourpenny road, he says, Johnny, to Millionaire's Road. <laughs> he sent me a few lines, I haven't got them, got them done now, but look, we'll read them out some uh, Okay, some well, will you do them some week for me, because I promised Paddy that we, we'd, we'd do that at some point. Oh, my God, I yeah. will, yeah. And then I met a fine old scout, my own, that man that I, I met, came across three or four weeks ago, there over in Lappin's Bridge, Tommy O'Kean. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry I didn't meet him six years ago, friend. I can safely say when I met him three or four weeks ago, he done me no favour, that uh, he's one of those lads that would never let you down and I'll have a, an, an old drink with him some night in Connell's pub in uh, Lappin's Bridge. Now, friend, we want to say that the Rose Green community, they have a fundraiser in aid of UNICEF Ireland tomorrow, Saturday, from 3 to 7, mm. from 3 to 7 in Rose Green Community Hall, teas, coffees, buns, etc., Christmas carols with the Rose Green School Choir, uh, directed by Helen Colbert, and you have lights turned on by the Rose Green Brilliant Girls under 14. They won the county final, and all funds are to UNICEF Ireland, and fair play to them. That is in Rose Green tomorrow evening from 3 to 7. And meanwhile, friend, Canolty Rossmore Vintage Club, they're having their annual light up for Christmas tomorrow evening. Every All the tractors, vintage cars, Land Rovers, etc., they leave Canolty at 5, they're going through Holy Cross, and on to Cashville. And, uh, and back to Dundrum. Mm. For the first time ever, they will have a collection in Cashel Town Plaza from 4 to 7, and all proceeds are for that wonderful cause, the South Tip Hospice. Everything goes to the Brilliant. South Tip Hospice. Brilliant. Then they come back to Canolty, they have live Christmas dolls and Santa and uh, Mrs. Claus as well in Canolty tomorrow evening, plenty of music and crack, and they want to say thanks to everybody. Any bit of support is welcome, but especially to that lovely neck of the woods in Cashel, the Cashel Town Plaza. And I suppose, friend, to finish up, the well attractor run tomorrow week, Saturday the 16th of December, ex to half and jockey in aid of the Dylan Quirk Foundation and Seesaw Mental Health. Very Auction good. on the night and Santa Claus from 3 to 6. Excellent. Hey, and, and the county board draw is tonight, isn't it? No, the county board draw, friend, I regret to tell you, this was last Friday night. Oh, was it indeed? Okay. Below in Clamello, and you got no call, no, no nothing. But I'll tell you something so... for nothing. I was well looked after. <laughs> bet you were. And bet I mean well looked after. <laughs> uh, by uh, Eddie Kearney, uh, and uh, Mr. Quirk was a fantastic singer down there, but Eddie Kearney, top of the pops, and Eddie kind of got overcome, and he gave me a pint of Guinness, and he says, is your man which you think? He doesn't know you, Frank Corey. I said, he is. I said, he'll come out on the phone. Here, he dropped me down another pint. <laughs> so, friend, I had my pint and your pint. And my, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed my pint. Listen, Johnny, <laughs> look after yourself, and we'll talk to you next week. Take it easy. Right, friend. Thanks very much. Bye-bye, That's the great Johnny Luby with us uh, this morning. The line from the Fourpenny Road wasn't all it should be this morning. I'm not sure, was it a line, or was it the state of Johnny's? vocal cords this morning, but there you go. 1800-938-007. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Sure, you're well aware at this point, that Shane McGowan's funeral will take place at St. Mary's of the Rosary Church in Nina at half past three this afternoon. Now, President 
Michael D. Higgins will be in attendance alongside stars such as Johnny Depp and Nick Cave. We're hearing possibly Bono as well. Following the funeral mass, the public will also pay their respects as the cortege moves through Nida. Uh, town centre from Church Road to Market Cross and the private uh, cremation will follow. But in 1997, there was a BBC documentary and he and his parents reflected on life in Kearney Commons in Tipperary where he spent some of his childhood. Let me just bring you a little of that though. It features Shane and both his parents. Well, this house has always been basically well regarded as home. There was about... Twelve people living here, like, sleeping three to a bed, like... I usually used to sleep on that. Being over there in that couch. Which is more comfortable than sleeping in three to a bed. And the radio was next to it as well. Like, when I was a kid, there was no television in here. There was there was no running water. There was uh, electric light and um, and the hard fire to cook on. There was no cooker. Sounds and, fairly basic. Yeah, it was basic and beautiful, you know. It was the end of, of of an era that I just happened to catch. I'm glad I caught it, you know. The thing I remember most about the family is the the music. The, 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 every, every weekend and sometimes in the middle of the week, I mean, we had... I suppose the, you had music, you had dancing, sit dancing in the old kitchen floor, and you had songs. So he absorbed all that wonderful traditional Irish music and singing and dancing uh, through his pores when he was at a very formative age, you know, and it had a tremendous influence on him, you know, and on his love of Irish music and on his desire really to do something for Irish music as well. We moved around a lot, you know what I mean? and. Um... But wherever we went, like, you know what I mean? Like I said, there was a lot of relatives and stuff like that, and all living in London. And, um, but my parents were really unhappy, right? You know what I mean? I could tell my parents were really unhappy. I was very unsettled for a long time. I never really settled in England, you know. Yeah, the English people are great, you know, I love them. And, uh, but the general atmosphere is very puritanical yeah. compared with Ireland. It's, That's it's a strange a, thing, isn't it? You know? It's a bit uh, mm. paradoxical, really, because yeah. they have all yeah. the right laws, I think, mm. but, uh, mm. you know, the wrong application. Mm. I mean, we're the lawless people, aren't we? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, our, that's what yeah. makes us uh, uh, free people, I think, yeah. in a way. I didn't have this sort of... Uh, Someone who's brought up in Ireland till they're 20 or something, you know, is always cursing, like, the church and the Christian brothers and and uh, the small-mindedness and the gossiping and the sadism and the brutality and, and the, all these 
all the bad things you can say about our society, you know what I mean? All I ever had was uh, happy times. All I ever had was happy times, and that's uh, the late, great Shane McGowan there, along with his parents, speaking about their time in Carney Commons in uh, Tipperary. Now, crowds of people expected to gather in Nina this afternoon. I know that a traffic management plan is in place for the town, and Rosemary Joyce is District Administrator for Nina Municipal District, and she joins me now. Rosemary, good morning to you. Good morning, Fan. And I think since about 8 o'clock this morning, there's been some closures. There has, that's right. And already there are people that are beginning to congregate around the are area. They indeed, wow. Yeah. Uh, we've already had television crews and a number of reporters around the place. So from 8 o'clock this morning, uh, the church road has been closed. Local access will be maintained. Um, uh, but that's the main closure at, at this point in time. Later in the day, we will have restrictions in place on Pier Street and Kenyon Street as, as, as required. Mm. And, and that's running right up until about 7 o'clock this evening? I it's think. going on is up it? to about 7. Yeah. Now, you see, the, the Mass itself is at half three. It will be a lengthy service. And mm. By the time that's finished, it will be getting dark. The cortege will then move from the church down Summerhill, down Street down as far as the, as the market cost, which will be the end of it. So in order to facilitate that, we can't be quite sure exactly what time all of that mm. will happen. So we've just put out the word to people to expect delays around Nina. There will be a lot of traffic. So between 2 and 7, we'll be trying to facilitate people as much as possible, but they just need to be aware that there may be delays. Of course. Yeah. What about parking, Rosemary? What's the story with that? Well, the council has over a 1,000 car parking spaces between the street and the car parks Mm. in town at all times. But we have identified additional parking spaces. Over a 1,000 additional spaces have been identified. And thanks very much to the cooperation of Nina Mart, Nina College and Aero Oak. There are car parking spaces provided at those locations. We have as a backup then, if they fill up, we have some further overflow ones which will become available if required. We have variable message signs on the roads and further signage within the town directing for the funeral traffic so that people will know where to go. I presume, Rosemary, it's almost impossible to guess how many people will turn up today. Absolutely impossible. Yeah. But we have to cater for the numbers that could turn up. I mean, this is the opportunity for the people to say their goodbyes to Shane. And he's been brought back to what he saw as his home area. And of course, the spotlight of not only nationally, but the spotlight of the world on on Nina today. Um, How are the people feeling about this? The people of Nina and the people of North Tip feeling about this, do you think, Rosemary? People had a great love for Shane, as Shane had a love for the people of the area and the area itself. And there's a great nostalgia. There's so many stories being told of encounters with Shane down through the years. Uh, so I think that overall there's, there's a pride in the fact that Shane had such an allegiance to the area. And that this is a, it's an emotional day for so many mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Now, obviously, it is going to mean that there will be some disruptions mm. in that. Mm. But it, it's also, Nina is on the map today, the mm. world map, yes. you know, on the world stage. And 
it, while there's a sadness associated, this is also a celebration of Shane and his, his, his genius. Well, that's for certain, Rosemary. Now, of course, we're hearing um, about various VIPs that will be in attendance today. Does that come under your remit in terms of looking after no. them from an access point of view and all of that? What we have are doing is we're working with all the different parties involved, yes. the Gardaí and the companies associated with the management of the arrangements. So they are the people who are really responsible when it comes to dealing with the celebrities, and there will be celebrities here. And we are facilitating uh, with any requests that we can, but it isn't our role. Our role is mainly the traffic management and also to try to have the place look as well as it can and of course, uh, Nina looks uh, fantastic, I believe, this morning. We're getting reports of of that uh, too. Uh, Rosemary, thank you so much indeed for that. And, and uh, best of luck today with what's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare, I would imagine, to some degree in terms of just, just making sure it all runs smoothly. But it's a historic occasion too. Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Rosemary, thank you and good morning to you. Thank you. Bye bye to you. Now it's Rosemary Joyce there, Rosemary's District Administrator for Nina Municipal District. Um, 9.42 right now. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning to you, Marion. Good morning, Fran. A big fan of Shane McGowan, Marion? Huge fan. All through the years, Fran. All through the years. What what was it about him, Marion, that uh, made you such a fan? I I think he was real, Fran. There was no, what you saw was what you got. Yeah. And I think that was part, and the words and his powerful music, I mean, his words alone, the the broad, majestic Shannon that he wrote for Liam Clancy. It's amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. Amazing. It's beautiful. Liam changed the course, of course, because mm. Shane had Babe. So right. Liam put in Shane. But of course, it was an absolutely beautiful song. It's a gorgeous song. We might give it a play. It's here in front of me, so I want to make sure that we, we try oh, and give it a lovely. play. Yeah. When, when did and you hear him first, Marion? Can you remember? Oh, geez, years and years ago, a yeah. long, long time. Yeah. A long time ago. Very charitable man, too. Yeah. And he sang with Nick Cave, of course. Of course, yeah. And Chrissy Hind. You put a spell on me. I don't know if you've seen that video, but it's brilliant. God, and he sang that to raise money. Yeah. yeah, he sang that to raise money for charity for Haiti. Yeah, he was a very decent guy by by all accounts. Funny enough, mo- most people are saying exactly what you're saying about him. That you know, it was yes. the fact that he was real, and you know, what you, you, you got what he was. You know, like absolutely, was, absolutely. Yeah. And Johnny Depp was on guitar in that video as well. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, they were great friends. I put a spell he, on you. Oh, I, great! I, I, and, I, yeah. And, Yes, and that's another thing about him. He kept his friendships. Yeah, yeah. Been friends for years with everybody. Never felt uh, Paul Simon, of course, was a, f- a fan of his and a friend, seemingly as well. That's right, and Bruce, so Bruce really Springsteen well. as well, speaking out. Uh, Bruce uh, Springsteen, he's so, huge, yeah. and there was more airs of graces with him. Fame didn't didn't change him. Yeah. I heard Victoria saying about him as well that he was very loyal to his friends, that even if they messed up in any way, he still was loyal to them. It didn't matter. Absolutely. didn't matter, yeah, you know. definitely. But he has one particular song here that he wrote. It's called If I Should Fall From Grace With You. Yeah, if I Should Fall From Grace With God. Mm. And mm. it's actually, it's nearly like a prayer. Yeah. And if, if you would allow me to, to say it. Yes, please. Of course I would. Yeah. Be. Yes. It, so it's called If I Should Fall From Grace With God. If I should fall from grace with God, 
where no doctor can relieve me. If I'm buried in the sod, but the angels won't receive me. Those, this land was always ours. It was the, the proud land of our fathers. It belongs to us and them, not to any of the others. Bury me at sea, where no murdered ghost can haunt me. If I rock upon the waves, and no corpse can lie upon me. Let me go, boys. Let me go, boys. Let me go down in the mud, where the rivers all run dry. Words, Shane Patrick lies at Macau. My God, it, it, it reads like poetry, doesn't it? It reads... It, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, all his, his, yeah, it stands up on his, its own without the melody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All his, and even the song that he, he sang for, for... Now, Shane's version of it is very fast when he sings that. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But um, in his own way, in inimitable way, of course. But beyond the, the majestic Shannon, I mean, if you read the words to that, you think it was 100 years ago it was written. With yeah. the words to that, it's absolutely fabulous. All his music is fabulous. All his songs tell a story. That song is seemingly the God is supposed, uh, the doctor is supposed to be God. That if he fell with God, that's <laughs> what that means in that. Yeah, the, cl- the, the, the cleverness yeah. of it, the intelligence of the, of the writing. The intelligence you know? of yeah. it. He was so, so intelligent. I mean, all the songs, he, 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 hundreds of songs. Hundreds of songs. And that, that was written in 1988. That was after The Fairy Tale of New York. And that was also the name of the album then. Yeah, and you know, it's amazing, Marion, we, we associate him with, you know, the few drinks and the crack and all of that. But a friend of mine was telling me that he was in his company one night after a gig, in fact, a gig in Tipperary. And he was telling me that, that Shane separated himself from the gang at the bar and he was there mm-hmm. with a biro and a yes. piece of paper writing lyrics. And this was like two, yes. two, half two in the morning, you know? Yes, yes. So there was always... Uh, so, yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. He was always writing down the same day, always writing. All his, the words, as I said, they were powerful for all his songs. And there was no repetition, as I said. Everything was just... It just flowed. Yes. But there's a funny story on the Daily Star. Of course, there were lots of funny stories, because at times he was funny. Yes. He was witty, you see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that somebody had... He had a drawing for for te- Children's Temple Street Hospital, and this chap, uh, to the person won won the drawing anyway. So he went to to raise funds for Temple Street. He went to to, to uh, this, uh, Shane's house, and Shane gave him a great reception. Mm. But the drawing was on the door. <laughs> the man had to take <laughs> the door as well. <laughs> I think that was a brilliant story. Oh, and he chatted brilliant. with him for hours. Yeah, yeah. For hours and hours. So uh, there was no... There was no airs and graces about him. What you saw was what you got. Well, anybody who spoke to him or reported about speaking to him, it, it, it was amazing. He didn't really want to talk about himself. He wanted to talk about the person who was interviewing yes. him. Or, you know, that's, yes. That's what he was interested in. That's right. In. Yeah. His heart was definitely in Tipperary. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. And yeah. he went to Mass in that church as well. So I believe. So I believe. Yes. He had a devotion to the Holy Mother, seemingly. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, he was wonderful. I think he was anyway. And uh, his songs will go on for for a long, long time. They'll yeah. be played for a long, long time. But even most of his songs, could could be just published as poetry alone. Yeah, yeah. Incre- just as poetry inc- alone. Incredible gift, uh, that's for sure. Will, will, uh, will I play the Majestic Shannon? Do you oh, please do. Will I give it please a, a, do. Why not? Because, of course, uh, his ashes will be sprinkled. Uh, over the Shannon. Uh, over the Shannon, you know, which is... Yeah, is and right. thank you. 
Thank well, you very much, Good ben. to talk to you, Marion, and we'll play and this especially too. for you. Is that okay? And lovely. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks, Thanks Thank you. Bye-bye. That's uh, Marion. Huge fan of Shane McGowan's. Here's the broad, majestic Shannon. The last time I saw you was down at the Greeks. There was whiskey and sunburn and tears in her cheeks. She sang me a song that was pure as the breeze and around me the glad of it. The great Shane McGowan there and the broad majestic uh, Shannon and uh, the uh, chorus line from that. Take my hand and dry your tears, babe. Take my hand. Forget your fears, babe. There's no pain. There's no more sorrow. They're all gone. Gone in the years, babe. The lyrics of uh, Shane McGowan. I was speaking to my old friend uh, Vinny Savage and Nina uh, this morning. And um, Vinny's brother, Frank, wrote a lovely piece indeed about uh, Shane and uh, his time in Philly Ryan's bar in, uh, in Nina. Let me just give you two two little verses from that. Um, so hang your egos at the door in friendship step within. There are no heroes anymore. We all know where they've been. The crack, the lash, the mystery. What magic lies in store when Shane McGowan arrives in town and walks through Philly's door. No heroes welcome needed here for Shane is one of us. He sits with pauper and with prince away from all the fuss. As tales unfold from young and old, the genius waits his turn. 
He listens till the time is right and then his flame begins to burn. He's not in San Francisco now, New York or Kathmandu. He has his jar in Philly's bar and he sits with me and you. He brings the treasures of his mind, the bitter and the sweet. The bard of Tipperary is at home in Silver Street. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, crowds of people gathering in Dublin this morning for the funeral procession of Shane McGowan and the cortege will make its way to Nina, as you know, for funeral mass at St. Mary's of the Rosary Church in Nina this uh, afternoon. Shane's friend, Philly Ryan, is his undertaker and he joins me now from Dublin. Philly, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. And on such a busy day, thank you so much for making time for us. Um, What's it like there in Dublin at the moment? I presume crowds already uh, gathering, Philly. Well, we're a half away, a mile away from from where we need to be, Shelburne. Uh, sorry, how, how many minutes away? We're thirty, 30 minutes, yeah. a half an hour away. So we, we're not seeing anything yet. We're only on the Long Mile Road as of yet. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I pr- presume that you're expecting like thousands of people literally will be oh, able absolutely. To, to pay absolutely. their respects. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I was reading Philly that Shane approached you in 2017 to make arrangements for his funeral. I don't think approach is the right word. We just had a conversation. Yeah. I'd say the same night. Um, just, he wasn't in great form the same night. I knew by him, you know. I, I just thought Shane was a bit off colour tonight. He was wheelchair in at the time, in his wheelchair. And and uh, I suppose his health was starting to kick a little bit. And um, and he just had a word in my ear, um, to be honest about it. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't like a formal kind of, I need to make arrangements and let's put all this down. He just basically told me what he wanted, that's all. And basically what's happening now, is is that what he wanted, uh, that he would make his way finally to Tipperary, uh, where he had such a... Oh, def- oh yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. Now, Dublin was mentioned. Yeah. Um, I think Dublin was brought in because to ease the pressure on, on Nina and at the same time give the Dublin people a chance yes. to, to, to do their thing. And and in light of Sinead O'Connor's funeral, the drive-through went well, and it, it just beca- it became an idea that that everyone ran with. It was stopped uh, maybe so an influx, huge influx into Nina, and um, and the Dublin people wouldn't have to travel down. So it just ticked all the boxes, I suppose. He was in your care since he passed away, Philly, I believe. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Well, he was he was in with my embalmers because. I, I um he, he did have the proper facilities to yes. to keep him in 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 uh yeah. in their care, and then we took him back the other day. So, and because and, your your friendship was so strong, I mean, it must make it all the more difficult on you, Philly, is it? There's no doubt about it, friend. But look at, I saw him. It was great fanfare today. He was sent home. Shane was coming home for Christmas, and myself and the man beside me here, Brennan. Fitzpatrick, who was his driver for 20 years, is, is taking him on his last drives now as well. Me, me and Brendan went up to his, apart, to his apartment in Dublin the following day, the Wednesday. Mm. And look at uh, friend, there's no point in saying it. I, I went up to visit Shane with Brendan and 
we, we nearly looked at each other and said, the poor man is in, he's in big trouble, you know. Oh, Shane was very, very ill. And as I see so many times doing funerals, that, that's a help for people to say, look, it's time to let him go. You, you don't want to see anybody suffering, and no, nobody deserves to suffer like that. And it, it, that makes the, the, the journey a bit easier when you say, Shane doesn't deserve to suffer. Like most of our families, they don't deserve to suffer. And that's something that gets us over and sustains us at this time, uh, friend. We all knew, Philly, about the connection with uh, Tipperary, but I don't think many of us knew that it was at his core, that connection with uh, Tipperary. But you as his friend, you, you would have known that, Philly. Absolutely. Everything he thought about was Tipperary. Dublin wouldn't be in his repertoire, only he married Victoria. She's Dublin-based, and yeah. she's not for changing. But he ha- he had love for Tipperary and Tipperary only. He loved Kearney Commons. Um, Joe Hannigan told me very well the other day, Joe is in, in, in mm. Kilbarren, yeah. that Shane's house was well-known at the time for for um, stuff Shane sang about, that the rosary was said every night. There was no TV. It was all talk and stories and songs. And, and sir, that's what came out after in Shane, you know. And uh, Joe said even there were even later than other people in the area bringing in TVs and, and electric, you know, yeah. electrification. Yeah. So Shane would have grown up with open fires, homemade, homemade food, singing, laughter and rosaries. And he, he carried all that all his life. And Victoria um, said to me last week, she said that uh, we want to wait till the 8th of December because that is the, the feast of uh, the Immaculate Conception. And Shane loved Our Lady. And I, I, I said, my God, I said, what more can I say? Well, it's a, it's a great, and we heard a little bit from a BBC documentary earlier on in the, the programme where he spoke about being privileged to have seen that and been part of, of the end of an era, I suppose, there, Philly, you know? Yes, but what Joe Hannigan was emphasising to me was that that house was probably 20 years back from everyone else was yes, motor and yes. forward. Yeah. And he, he saw maybe 20 years earlier than anyone else would have saw, saw from at his age, you know? It's incredible. There is no doubt that uh, Nina is very much on the map globally today because of Shane McGowan, and it's going to be, it's going to be a huge day for Nina, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of people coming, and but you know, a bit of me, and and they're his friends. They're great friends of his, and and some of the men that are coming are brilliant friends. The women are brilliant friends of Shane. But look, we need to, we need to pull back and say this is about Shane McGowan. Yeah, yeah. You know. Regather and say this man is special. It's not about who's coming. It's not about that. They, them people love Shane and and it's great that they're coming. But this is about Shane McGowan and nobody else. And, and yeah, and and the 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 ordinary people, so-called ordinary people as well, Philly. Because I just read out a poem from Frank Savage where he spoke about when Shane would go into your pub. He was yes. just he wanted to be just one of the lads. He wanted to just you know. Friend, Pat pa Mitchell was my barman for a lot of years. And Pat was full-time asking fellas, would you go and play a game of pool with, with Shane, please? Shane would be playing on his own now. There. <laughs> it was that way. Nobody would be playing with him, you know? Yeah. And he pool had died a little later. And, but Shane loved to play a game of pool. And, and Pat would come in and say, hey, listen, you go down and play Shane a few games of pool. 
but it all, always came with the caveat he has to win one one of the games at least <laughs> <laughs> oh I love it I, I, you must have some fantastic memories Philly oh come here uh, Fran uh, they're, they're all uh, say that to me he spent 20 of his last 30 Christmas Eves in, in, in our pub and Did you he? know when the door when when the car pull up outside and Shane step out the, the atmosphere went to fever pitch and people weren't jumping on him or shaking hands or taking but he was there and that's all it you know it's Christmas his song is Christmas here he is in front of you it was just fabulous but, but, but on a Christmas Eve to have the man who wrote Fairy Tale of New York on the premises I mean it doesn't get yeah, any well, better than that does it I suppose that's not the reality when he's there in yeah, front of you yeah. regularly yeah. I mean his birthday you know is Christmas Day and Gosh. back back then when I had the pub I suppose I can say it now, friend. I'm long gone uh, for eight. I think the eight time of prosecution is eight years. But on Christmas Day, I had a, we had my father Lord and mercy. We always had a tradition of opening for two hours on a Christmas morning, yes. and and there'd be no there'd be no money involved. There'd be yeah. drinks for the locals, and everyone be done up to nine. And my father Lord and mercy used to always give out a few brandies and a packet of half coronas. And Shane used to come in on Christmas morning. And when he'd walk in, the pub would break into Happy Birthday. Oh, and it was just amazing. No, there was no phones then, and we cursed the phones, but wow, what would you ha- what would you give to have a recording of that, you know? Oh, but we'd break, the, the pub would break into Happy Birthday, and like it turned off the switch, it was over, and then everyone was, he was having a drink, and that was it. Isn't that fantastic indeed? Yeah. I, I presume you had to co- coordinate with the Gardaí and with all the volunteers and everybody who's making sure that everything runs smoothly in Nina today, Philly. Look, they're, they're on the ground there. Um, Ali, I never met Ali Baker before. I, I, I never wanted to meet him after what he did to my my beloved county. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm actually going to forgive him because he's, he's been outstanding and Marcus O'Connor and, and the team from like they've done a lot of work and, and they, they, they've sat down and they've planned it and the councilmen are out working hard and the town looks great you know and I and I think if the day is anywhere nice and I, I'm hoping it will be it's going to be, make for a fabulous day Yeah I, I think even if it rains like hell there will be a huge outpouring of love in, in Nina today there's much talk about a mural as well for, for Shane and some people saying that it should be on Philly Ryan's pub um, what, what do you think about that that notion of a mural in Nina? Yeah it'd be fabulous yeah. look at I, I look at I I mean I if anyone else had other ideas that's fine too I mean you know there's lots he had, he had lots of friends in Nina Philly Ryan's pub, absolutely perfect. But I mean, look, it's not about. This is not about Philly Ryan's pub. Shane was a, a poet and he was an artist, and he was a, a gentleman and a kind preacher. So it would be lovely wherever it is in Nina. It would be just great to have it. Well, Philly, I really appreciate your time today on what is an incredibly busy morning and a heartbreaking morning to a large extent for you as well, I would imagine. But thank you so much for that, Philly. Thank you. Not at all, friend. Not at all, friend. Good morning to you, Philly. Good morning to you. Bye, friend. That is the wonderful, the legendary Philly Ryan himself, uh, Shane's great friend and now Shane's uh, undertaker and uh, making sure that uh, Shane has a very, very dignified um, 
return to to Nina today and uh, I'm sure thousands of people will be making their way to North Tipperary. Um, we'll be bringing you more from Nina in just uh, a little while. In the meantime, 1800 007, the text and WhatsApp 083 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie uh, Some people inquiring about coverage of uh, the funeral and to the best of our knowledge, um, Facebook and Twitter, Shane's own Facebook and Twitter, uh, will stream uh, the funeral. And uh, both in Dublin and Nina. That is certainly our understanding of uh, what's happening anyway. 1800 Now, a great friend of the show, Tanya DeVito uh, McMahon is with me. Tanya, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How uh, are you? Good to talk to you, Tanya. You're going to the funeral today, Tanya. I am, yeah. I'm going to the funeral today. I think uh, the whole of Nina, if they're able to go, will be going to the funeral today. Yeah. Um, probably not just Nina. Um, we know that we've heard of people travelling down from Dublin, people coming from London. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely massive. And I think people, sure, if you can go, go, because it's the sign of respect that it's a great privilege to be able to go to his funeral. You know, I think that's it's a, it's a privilege for, for us as the ordinary people to be able to go and pay our respects. Yeah, and I suppose um, we, we should be honoured, Tanya, that, he's, that he saw himself so much as a Tipperary person, you know? Yeah, but I mean, he spent all his, his you know, his childhood summers here. And the thing is, like, I've never met him now, not came to be anything. You know, yeah. I've never met Shane or anything. But I know um, he's been in town and he's been up in Phillies and he used to frequent in the Kiwi Bar mm. uh, years ago. And any time... You know, word now. There was no phones back then, but you get word through of Shane McGowan is up in Philly. But there was no one. No one was going up, hanging out with him. Oh, that, that's brilliant, up. Tanya. T- tell me about <laughs> that. So, so when he'd arrive in town, the word would get around. Would the it? Word would get around. The word would get around. Shane's mm. up in Philly. Shane's in the Kiwi. Shane is wherever he was. But nobody would be going up bothering him. <laughs> and they were like Philly and all them, all those lads. They're all his friends. I know. Do you know what I mean? They were all his child- friends for years. For years, it's a huge loss for all of them, yeah. a- as well. And the fact that he could go into Phillies and go into the snog and sit down and have a few pints and have the crack and have the chat with nobody hanging out with him, people just left him alone because it was just Shane McGowan. There was no airs and graces about him or from him or from to, for him. Anybody, you know, it was just Shane McGowan and he'd have the chat. From what I have heard, he would have the chat and be nice and friendly and he would just, you know, this was his home. This is what he called his home and Kearney and Silver Rhymes where his mum and dad lived and you know, it's just so it's just it's a lovely thing to be able to do today, to be able to go down and just applaud him as he passes by on the street or stand outside the church or whatever it is you're going to do. Like I don't think there's any way we'll get into the church itself for mm. you know, it is mm. open to the public but um, but just to even be part of it, it's, it's a bit of history. It'll never, you know, but Nina will never see the likes of this again. For sure. And, and, and Tanya, I was saying to Philly, and I'm not sure if you'll agree with me, but we were all aware of the Tipperary connection because he spoke of it. Mm, but yeah. I, I don't think we had a complete grasp of of the, the enormous importance Tipperary was to him. Yeah, well, I mean, he sang about it in his songs, so it would have been apparent to his true fans and his, 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 his you know, the true his true friends. I mean, yeah. it wasn't he did speak about it, but the fact I suppose that Nina people or Tipperary people didn't go around and 
ring the local newspaper and go, I was ashamed of going around putting that. But back then as well, there's no phones, there's no social media, so there's none of this. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it was a completely different, yeah. a different and, and, time. And was he it. almost protected, do you think, in some way as well? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not too sure, but like, as I said, like Philly and all the lads up in Philly's and all his friends, like, they would have had some kind of protection around him. Mm-hmm. But as I said, it's, it's, I think Irish people as well have a lot of, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's not English and it's not American, but Irish people would have a good amount of respect that they go, do you know what? Mm. Leave, leave, him alone. leave him alone. Leave it's him great alone, that yeah. I can see him. You know what I mean? I'm in the pub and I can see him. There's Shane McGowan. It's fantastic. But I'm not going to go over and talk to him because the man is off. He's having a drink and I'm just going to respect his privacy. And I think that's a lot the way Irish people are. Yeah. And especially Nina people. That's yeah. my, my opinion. And I, 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 I guess that's what he found attractive about it, that he could just go and be himself. But he could just go and be himself. Yeah, I know. Like Shane McGowan loved Nina. Nina loved Shane McGowan and that's the way it was. And I really believe that today there'll be a huge turnout for him in in Nina. I really do. And like there's a, like you you were talking about the murals and things like that. There's yeah. loads of and even like Frank Savage's poem. There's loads of tributes coming in and songs and it's just it's amazing to see. It's fantastic to see. Yeah. He was so well loved. He was I, I, I thought Frank's poem was fantastic. Amazing, yeah. Frank oh. is absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And there's like there's loads of people with poems out. Martin Grace is another fantastic one that I'm, I'm hoping. Does he? I, d- I didn't know that. I yeah. Oh Martin wow! I hope somebody will yeah. send that in to me because Martin's a great yeah, friend. Yeah, I can of mine. send yeah. it on to you. Martin has yeah. a, a, a poem out, and hopefully he'll put some music to that or some music to it, and it's a lovely tribute as well. well. So. Nobody, I've never, no one can say anything bad about Shane McGowan. I've all, all we're hearing now is the good stories and the things like he was very generous. He helped homeless people. He helped, you know, he was a very generous man. He was extremely talented. He wrote beautifully, beautifully, mm-hmm. like it's pure poetry. His songs are pure poetry and well loved and known all over the world. Like it's, it's just, it's amazing. It's very it's sad. It's a sad time and especially, you know, today's the 8th of December and it's a sad day. But the fact that we're able, we're, I feel privileged that I, that I can go downtown today and stand and watch him uh, pass by and applaud with everyone else. And the fact that the town are uh, playing his music out over the, the speakers, which is beautiful. Uh, the town is shining <laughs> waiting for his arrival. And it's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And I think everyone yeah. will be there today. Do, do you have a, a favourite song, Tanya? Uh, Rainy Night in Soho. Nice That's song. one of my favourite songs. My husband's a huge folk fan. Yeah. Huge folk fan. And like we were putting up the Christmas tree the other day and just literally the poles were on. Watching Christmas music, the poles were on. And that was our tradition, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. his songs were just amazing. It was just... Well, Tanya, Tanya, it was uh, lovely to talk to you today, and and uh, thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Always a pleasure. No bother, thanks. Thanks. Talk to you soon, Mike. Thank you. Bye bye. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. The final two stanzas from um, from Frank uh, Savage's uh, poem. I have to bring them to you. Uh, He sings for Scruffy and for Brick, for Philly and the boys of patriots and immigrants, of sorrows and of joys, of history and heartache and of struggle down the years. In Philly's bar he shines his star through laughter and through tears. So hang your egos at the door and in friendship step within. They say the chain has left us now, no more will he be seen. But that's not true for me and you, they'll come from far and near. To feel chain's spirit linger here by the fire in Philly's bar.
was talking about that song a little uh, earlier on in uh, the uh, programme and uh, delighted to give it a spin today uh, as well if I uh, should fall from grace with uh, God and uh, another amazing song and again, sometimes you get caught up in the exuberance of the arrangements and stuff and you don't listen with the attention it deserves to the lyric but I mean the lyric of that is absolutely absolutely outstanding. Anyway, we'll take a break and we're back with more in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now we're staying with uh, Shane McGowan and uh, Pat joins me. Good morning to you, Pat. Hi, friend. How Pat, are you? I, I'm fine, Pat, and good to talk to you today. You knew Shane. You you, you dragged with him in Phillies. I, I'm sorry, I know Shane very well. We were great friends for many years. And oh. we, we, he was just a normal kind of a, just a friend like that. Like, there was no, he was no way big in himself for anything like that and and you're very upset I can hear it in your voice Pat well I, I didn't expect to be going and Tim have been talking about oh, we got very emotional like yeah. but um, I was glad I was up to visit Shane uh, about a month ago there and that was the last time I was I was talking to him like myself and Scruffy Kinney went up to visit him yeah. 
But uh, he loved all his friends around here, like. He was part of the furniture, like. And, Pat, what would he chat about when he was chatting to you? I mean, you know, was it... Well, he... he he's, he, he, he had terrible, great retention. Mm. I, I don't know, my daughter was very sick to exactly 20 years, in 2000. Yeah. And myself and my wife were over in England for the Christmas visiting her, and she had a, a baby on the 2nd of January that year. And my wife stayed there for a few weeks to mind her. Mm. And we came back, I came back, and I wasn't back a couple of days, and I got a phone call that I had to go back to that My daughter was very ill in hospital. Yeah. But I went to Philly Rains to know had he any sterling. I live near very the back door of Philly's life. Yeah, yeah. And he had a bit of sterling, but Shane was there, and he heard us talking, and he said, can I help you and Philly said to him, have you any sterling? I have, he says. It was only after coming from England. So he, um, anyway, he said, what you want? And I said, I take 500. And he said, no bother. And he said, if you haven't the money, it is all right. Like. But I said, I have. And I have, I said, I'm sure sterling is a bit more now than the pound at that time or whatever. Mm. And he, I said, what will I give you? And he said, I'd say it's what. And Three months later, or maybe four months later, I walked into Phillies and Shane was there. And he, he the first thing I told, he, I told him my daughter's name that night. Like, hmm. And three months or four months later, I went into Phillies and the first thing he said to me was, how is Catherine? My God. I, I couldn't believe it. That was his retention. And, I, you know, I, I, I was still in awe over that, like. Yeah, because lots of people have been telling me that that he was hugely interested in, in people. He didn't want to talk much about himself. He he was interested in people. Oh, he was never wanted to talk about himself. Like myself and Scruffy Kinney and Tom Gray and Shane and Jeff Fitzgerald, we just go to the races in this stall every year. Mm. And of course, when I have a few down, my party piece was Dear Old Newport Town. Yes. And he'd want to hear that, and we'd come back and go in by Richard Ryan's pub in Cock Road in Oport, and we'd have a few there, and then we'd adjourn to Phillies later on. Like. But he was a terrible interesting guy, and he'd, he, he, was, he, he was more interested in talking about people and things around than, than himself. Like. And did he ever talk about his music or the... Not much about no, yeah. never about himself. Like we'd say something, and he'd he just blast it over. Like yeah. he, he he wouldn't be wanting to be talking that way at all. Like. My God! And did you go to the concerts as well, Pat? Did you? Oh, I did. Sure, he usually have all tickets for me and Dionysi and Killarney, and uh, <laughs> and I was at a. I have a son living in Providence, Rhode Island, who also knows Shane well. Yeah. And we were at a concert over there. And after the concert, my son was running a pub there and he opened up the pub and Shane and the boys came down on the tour bus. So the police came at half seven in the morning and closed the pub anyway. <laughs> and the, 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 I was talking to a policeman there and I said, yeah, is there going to be trouble over this? Like? Yeah. I said, no, no. He says, his McGowan's manager rang. He has to be in Montreal tonight for a concert. 
<laughs> so they were afraid they wouldn't get him on the road. Like. So they sent the police to to, to organize. <laughs> oh my God! What what a fantastic memory! Memories. Ah, uh, we have, I have memories that that are priceless. Yeah. Priceless. And it, it, so more than twenty years ago, you met him first. Can you remember meeting him first, Pat? It was actually the first time I would have. Met him, seen him in the pub was in Paddy Mackey's actually down mm. the street. Yeah, and you'd me just salute and you'd salute. And, uh, but it was, it was that time after that Christmas when my daughter got sick that we got to be real friends. Like, I got it. so yeah. And and did people uh, ever hassle him or anything, Pat? Did they? And they, they, they wouldn't, not much. Not one when they'd have a few pints that start singing back one of his songs to him or something. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But uh, the, the boys around him would get, uh, get over on that without any fuss or hassle, no bother at all. Thank God. Um, and so you'll remember him, as opposed to uh, the, the singing star, you'll remember him as your friend, Pat. I will, of course. Sure, he, he, he often sat at my kitchen table and my wife know him very well as well, and yeah. he'll he'll all, well he'll be remembered as a great poet and a great musician and a great songwriter, but most of all as a friend. That's a lovely way and to re- remember him, and you'll be at the funeral, friend, I guess, Pat. I will, of course, friend. But I, another thing, if you don't mind me saying it, I do a Christmas lighting display every year for the hospice. Yeah. And we're turning on that this evening at seven o'clock. All going well. Right. Excellent. So I'd yeah. like a uh, lot of support for the hospice and all that. People know about it anyway. Like. Well, I'm sure they will support you, Pat. I'm sure they will uh, indeed. And your daughter, your, is your daughter well now, Pat? My daughter, is. she's still getting treatment is and she? that she has a thing called myasthenia gravis as well, but she'll always have that, but she's flying it. Thank oh, well, God. Well, I, I pass on our good wishes to, to her indeed. Pat, I really appreciate you coming on and I know it was difficult for you to do this, but thank you for your time this morning, Pat. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Thanks a million. Look after yourself, Pat. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. That's uh, Pat, a great friend of Shane's with some lovely stories as well. Martin uh, joins. Martin, good morning to you. You Do we have have Martin? Good morning, Martin. Hi, friend. How are you keeping? You well? I'm very well indeed. Martin, you, you actually played with Shane. Oh, back in, a long time ago, back in 2002, I was a young lad. I think I was 19, just gone 19 at the time, yeah. Yeah. Um, just filling in for the banjo player who was a, he was a bit sick at the time. He was um, Tom McMenamin, actually, another poor man who was deceased since. Yeah. But uh, he was the banjo player for the Popes, we'll say, Shane's other band. Of course, yeah. Based yeah. around London. But, uh, yeah, lucky enough to get a call from Morris was the first I heard about it, Mar- Shane's his father. dad, yeah. Yeah, just to see would I, I think they probably knew me from the Eagle's Nest there in Dalla, which was yeah. a good pub there for Shane to frequent St. Stephen's nights. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get out there, play three gigs in Spain and three gigs out in Amsterdam as well in the Tivoli Theatre. So, that, that, what, you can, you, what was that like, Pat? Oh, it was unbelievable. Was unbelievable. It? It was, like I was a young fella. I mean, talk about dreams come true. I mean, I had every Pope CD going. I had a couple of Pope CDs as well. And yeah. to get out there and play with Shane and the Popes was just... He made, made my dreams come true back then, you know. And what was Brilliant. it like to work with him? What 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 was he like to work with? Oh, he's, he was he was an extremely sound guy, very kind, you very like as your last uh, contributor said there in relation to spe- speaking about anything. It was you know you could be backstage, you could be on a break from the songs, and 
Shane would start talking about your family, you know, how, how's the dad and how's the mother. Very selfless guy, very kind, very caring. And he'd have a custodial kind of thing. I know I was young, Phil, I was, I was an adult, but he had this kind of a thing in him that made sure we were okay, you know. Very nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Look, look after you. Look after Absolutely, you. Absolutely, yeah. Very nice guy. And all the band as well. Very very friendly with them all. Yeah. Decent fella, yeah. Absolutely. Well, they're lovely memories. And would you have met him first in the Eagle's Nest? Is that is that where the first time the first time I met him? I think it was about sixteen in the Eagle's Nest in Dollar. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. With his mother and father again, Morris and Trey's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was we we kind of met him through a group we we had at the time in the course. And uh, I suppose you know we started off with a kind of an anti, anti dump song in the Silver Mine. I, I remember it uh, well, actually, Mark. Yeah, yeah, actually, my own my, my own my own father, Im Butler, would have actually wrote the song. Yeah. And a couple of lads, John Quirk, John Kindy, Michael Maloney, and uh, would have would have sang with him. So it was very, very good. But Shane would have joined us, kind of had the interest in that, and it kind of came from that, really, you know. So it was great experience, yeah. yeah. Did he not record a song with you one time? Did, I, did, he, did he did, actually, yeah. Yeah, I he did. That, um, yeah. yeah, the father wrote a song called The Sons of Knock Nadeau, and Shane recorded the Broad Majestic Shannon on the same CD. So it was a, a two-track CD. It was, yeah, very, very cool, great experience as well. Was it, wasn't so, it, just, yeah. And yeah. In, in the pub, when you come into the pub, I presume he didn't want to sing or anything, did he? He just wanted to... Yeah, a couple of times, you know, back in the, back in the day, he would have sang A Pair of Brown Eyes, yeah. uh, which is which is my favourite song. You is know, that your favourite, Martin? Yeah. Uh, it would, it would, the Broad Majestic Shannon and, and that, yeah. I yeah. think Pair of Brown Eyes would, be, would top it all right, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Andrew played that this morning and I was take, I hadn't yes. heard it for a yeah. while. I was ta- really taken taken by it. It's a marvellous yeah, song. Yeah, brilliant, you know? brilliant song, yeah. yeah. Um, did you meet him in later years, Martin, or have you not seen him for a I, while? I, I don't think I've met him for about a year and a half to two years. I, oh. I, yeah, I, I think I met him back in about 2021, but that was the last time. I haven't met him for a long time, you know, so I haven't come across him that much. Mm. You know, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get up to Dublin to meet him beforehand, but... Sure, yeah. you know what can you, what can you do? Unfortunately, that's just the way it yeah, is. Sure, absolutely. But, uh, and when you heard he had passed away, Martin, um, all all the memories, I guess, come back. Yeah, them. yeah, just yeah. just just that's it exactly. Yeah, memories from the past and just the whole my love of music and the the, the whole thing about the poke songs, everything to do with that just kind of came back. So. I knew he wasn't well for a long time, but yeah. a lot of local people around Dalla would be great buddies with him too, and they'd keep you updated on what's happening. But and the, the crowd in Phillies as well, obviously, you know, great friends. So mm. um, that's that, you know, it's it's. I'd be there today, probably on the street somewhere, but I'd be there today in some format anyway. So it'd be yeah. an honourable to pay, pay our respects to him. And isn't it? I I only met him a couple of times, but I always felt really, really overwhelmed at the notion that I was in the company of the guy who wrote the songs, some of the greatest songs of all time, you know. Was there, yeah. an, was there an element of that, Martin, that, you know, when you were with him, like, this is the guy who wrote the lyrics of some of the greatest songs? Absolutely. I mean, any if you were in a pub in Nina, if you were in the Eagle's Nest, there could be a big crowd there. And as one of your callers said there a while ago, everyone wanted to come up to him and talk to him, but everyone had the restraint and the respect to hold back and just watch on and kind of you know, they were obviously absolutely starstruck that he was in the same place as them. But you would have the respect to kind of keep back and wait. Yeah. And and if he t- and if he talks, you if you get to the bar and you 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 give him a chain, how's it going? He'll always reply back. There's never an issue. He's in no way stuck up or a snob or anything like that. He's, he was always very selfless and kind to everybody. I've always seen that of him. And, and that sense of Tipperary, Martin, was was that, because we're hearing so much about that, was that always evident, that, that love of Tipperary? I think so, yeah. I think so. He would have he would have had the, he would have made an attempt to 
talk about the hurling anyway. Um, maybe not, maybe not as good as Johnny Luby you now, but he was he was yeah. he was well able to talk about it. You know, especially yeah. the silver mines and and Nina. He's he you know, his parents were in the mines up to recently, and he loved the silver mines as well. Yeah. But uh, he would he would have known stuff. He would have, absolutely genius when it comes to history. He would have talked for, about history for hours. You know, you'd learned a lot from him listening to him. You know, but. He, he loved history, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love the story that he was brought up on uh, Dan Breen's book, My Fight for Irish Freedom, you know, that, that was almost yes. a manual for him when, it, when when he was young in in, in Silver Mines, yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. amazing. So you will be on the street somewhere today anyway, you reckon? I'll uh, be there somewhere. I don't think there's probably no getting near the church, but yeah. I'll be there somewhere, yeah, absolutely. Well, Martin, thanks very much. I hope you're still playing and still active and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. tip, tipping away on the banjo. Shall we come across you some night, friend, uh, on, the, look, on you, the keyboards or you, the piano, yeah? You'd be welcome any time, Martin. I'd love to see you. No I'd love to see you. you thanks very much. Look after yourself, Martin. Thanks Take very care. much. Good morning. Thank bye, you. Bye-bye bye 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 to you now. That's uh, Martin Butler there, banjo player, played with the Popes, which was one of the... Uh, um, the other bands that um, that Shane played with, of course, after the Pogues. Um, yeah, Martin mentioned this.
chosen there by uh, Martin Butler, who played banjo with uh, with um, Shane for a while and had some uh, lovely memories there. One of our listeners on to know, um, were any other members of uh, the Pogues uh, Irish? Well, the, the, the lineup of the Pogues changed uh, over the years, and I suppose the main uh, Irish musician would have been the great uh, Terry Woods, who... Uh, was with now he wasn't with the original Pogues, but as the lineup changed, he he was their marvelous musician. If you're a folky, you'll remember Gay and Terry Woods back in the sixties and seventies. Uh, but Caught uh, uh, O'Reardon as well, who will be at the funeral today as well, because I know she was flying in from uh, New York. She was recording in New York, and she's flying in for the funeral today uh, as well. Um, all right, then uh, news is on the way. But before I head towards news. <laughs> It's Christmas in Thales. All right, that is your cue to text and WhatsApp for those two fantastic 50 euro vouchers celebrating Christmas shopping in Thales. So 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Now, a 50 euro voucher for Mars Care Plus Pharmacy on Liberty Square in Thurles is going to Marie Moore from Tulliski, I think it is, in uh, Ross Grey. And our Healthy Haven um, voucher is going to Barbara Tynan in Mina. So well done to you both. And that's my way of celebration of uh, shopping for Christmas in Thurles. And uh, we'll have lots more to give away on the programme next week. All right, then, it's time for our panel. And I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by the Mayor of Clonmel, Councillor Richard Malloy. Joe Leahy is with us. Joe, of course, is founder of Seesaw, security uh, consultant. And Susan O'Donoghue is with us on the panel for the first time because she is our psychotherapist. And you're all extremely welcome. And thank you, indeed, for, for coming thank in you, to Frank. us uh, today. Can, can we just, uh, because, of course, Shane is... Uh, Shane's funeral is today. Can I just go across the the line on that, Joe? Shane McGowan, the music and stuff would it have meant much to you over the years? Oh, it would indeed, Jeff. Fabulous music, and I was just saying that you know, uh, I've heard that before we came in. You know, a lot of these people, like you know, they're, like they're eccentric geniuses, really and truly. You know, and they live they live their own life. They go their own way and they do their own thing. But they really are iconic. They're geniuses. Like you can't find enough words to describe. Mm. The, the, their ability and you know what they meant and you know to turn you know I know I'm re- rephrasing other people's words but you know they turned so much poetry into song yeah, and they did yeah. all those things and you know you you could stand on snow listening to them you know they're, mm. they're phenomenal you know he, and he gave a voice as well to the Irish paddy and I mean that with the greatest of respect yes. but to to the Irish who went to England in the 50s and 60s and who were the navvies over there and so he he gave a poetry to them didn't oh, he? Oh he did you know, he did and he gave a sense of belonging and a yeah. sense of home and he he created yeah. he recreated that connection yeah. and he certainly did you know and you know uh, I was only talking about there this morning like somebody like you know when the Irish Paddy like went to England you know you know the, the only place they went to like was the pub out of, let it be out of loneliness yeah. out of comfort out of yeah. whatever else or, like maintain the connection and you know those songs like they resonated like you know when you hear you know how well like that uh, 
you know that the the dance I like was the Galtimore. You know yeah. what I mean? How well it was that. How well it wasn't a Hilton or something else <laughs> like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, all those things and the songs and the words and you know the streets of New York and all those things and rainy night and so all those they were fabulous songs like and the meaning and you know and listen to some of the poems that have been written since his passing. You know yeah. they're phenomenal. Like. Aren't they just fantastic indeed? Yeah, yeah. And we all knew about the Tipperary connection, Richie. I suppose, but really we're discovering since he passed away. It it was him. It was that he's core. That no, absolutely. I think it was a lovely gesture even, you know, of, yeah. of the family to bring the funeral back to Nina today. Yeah. And just to remind listeners again that there's a book of condolences open in the council offices here in Clanmel, you know, the offices mm. there opposite the library, because I think people in Tipperary want to be associated with it. And if you're not able to travel up to Nina this morning, you know, you can pop yeah. in there and, and sign that book. But yeah, when you listen to the lyrics of the fairy tale of New York, and as Joe has just said, you know, the typical, like we all have uncles and aunts that went back yeah, to yeah. England in the 50s and the pub scene was huge and a lot of people did live kind of, they had sad endings, a lot of the people and like Shane McGowan's career, you know it was incredible really when you reread mm. all about him again and I think like the, the very fact, you know, because when I heard that first I was sure it would be all in England or whatever but the fact that he's brought back to Dublin and back down to Nina today, you know, from the is temporary it, it great? And It's a lovely gesture. W- with your experience of local authority and all that, everybody pulling together in Nina today, the guard, the, it's a huge. The municipal district, everybody volunteers, the absolutely, church, absolutely. the schools. The, yeah. the kind of feeling of the community spirit yeah. is really coming out there in Nina today and all over Tipperary, like so, I think it's kind of the sound, the lyrics of that particular song. I think mean a lot. Mm. You know the way young love can start off, and yeah. I think that you hear that eyes shone like diamonds. And then, as the years go on, things can change. But yeah. no, sympathies to his family and his partner this morning. Yeah, for sure, Susan. What what did you uh, make of Shane McGowan? Were you were you a fan of the music? <coughs> well, sure. Look, I was in New York for years, so yeah. Shane McGowan, and there was a lot of Christmases where I would have stayed in New York. I'd say I was sixteen. I was home for two, maybe. Yeah. So for me and people, I, I suppose, my friends in New York and whatever, it would have been such a lovely thing to hear, you know, uh, the fairy tale mm. New York. Sure, that was, you know what I mean? It was our song. Yeah. And I suppose when I went out first, it would have been in the the mid 80s and there would have been a lot of the older music out there and it wouldn't have been mine as such. Yeah, yeah. So when Shane McGowan came along, that was our era, like that was our, you know, our, our song kind of. Yeah. So I suppose for me, I would have a huge connection to it. And my hubby tells a story because he was in London for years and he tells a story about being in a late night pub one time and the next thing this lad was in their company and he was saying, oh, I'm the drummer for the Pogues. And they were like, yeah, yeah, whatever, mm, do you know? Mm. So when he left, the bartender went in and got the album and sure enough, here he was, sitting on the back of the book. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that everybody yeah. was kind of, who's Irish, was touched by him. And especially if you left, do you yes, know? Because yeah. it meant so much to hear that song. It was our connection to home for, while you were out there for the Christmas. And, you know? and with your psychotherapy hat on you, I mean, Joe referred there to the artist that sometimes can be tortured to find, find life difficult yeah. and find, because they're gentle people, I think, in inside and maybe because they're exposed to large audiences and to adulation and all of that. It's interesting the way it can go, isn't it? It know? is, yeah. And I think for all of us, we're struggling. You know what mm. I mean? We don't, you know, we all have our own struggles. Yeah. Uh, for Shane, probably, you know, I think it's about finding that sense of peace within yourself. Mm. And maybe he never got the safety to do that. I mean, he seemed to be more peaceful in the last couple of years. Mm. And he kind of, his body slowed him down, yeah. didn't it? It kind of put a halt to the madness for a while. Yeah. And I would say that he probably gave it a right good lash when he was young. Well, that's <laughs> you know? for sure. Well, that's for <laughs> you sure, know? yeah. And I think... Uh, 
unfortunately it did slow him down in the finish you know but I don't know did he have much regrets like because he yeah. was amazing like he did so much amazing stuff you know and I wish his family oh my heart goes out to them you know and his friends and his relations because it is such a tough time but I'd love to think of the loveliness that he brought to people's lives like my own yeah. that sense of connection that's, and, and that's a lovely way to put it as well and sometimes when, when people like Shane pass away there's all sorts of you know schmaltzy stuff and looking back but it appears everybody is I spoke to Pat this morning who was his friend for about 20 years and it was an ordinary friendship if you know what I mean it wasn't being friends with a superstar or somebody who's and, yeah. and that made it all the more special you I guess you could see Richie. that yeah. I think in the way as you say it's coming across and yeah. listen to the interview with Philly yeah. this morning you know as you say sometimes celebrities can appear like gods in the yeah. distance yeah. you may not really but that, you know Shane did seem to have that connection and even the fact of you know the ashes being will be scattered on the Shannon and yeah, that. there's a lot course, of yeah. connections there like even you know from a spiritual mm. point of view but I think it's kind of really struck a chord and this year in particular with Sinead O'Connor you know we've had a lot of iconic in fact today is the anniversary it's her birthday it's her birthday but we've been fractured for a small but I think I think as well though I think you know the way that the funeral you know some funerals like you know especially in Ireland you know we kind of have them you know you die on you know on Friday and you're buried on Monday and it's all over and done and you're gone and everyone says you're a nice person and they get to the pub and then they tell the truth about you <laughs> at least at least now I think a funeral like this the way it's spread out it really is a celebration yeah, you know what I mean I think it's a celebration of a life and you know to his you know his family and friends while it's a difficult time and sympathies to them all they st- still should remember him for what he brought and the character he was and and everyone has their own character you know what I mean and he was uh, an exceptional character and they should all remember the nice things and the good things and the positives you know yeah. and that's, for that's, me, that's yeah, I suppose for yes, me his music touched people who he never met yeah and that's yeah. quite amazing, isn't it? To take that. True, and yeah. it will touch people for years. Like it, his songs meant so much, and the lyrics, the words, like you, I think you were saying earlier, friend, that we don't listen to a lot of lyrics and songs. Well, well, particularly with the Bogues, because it's so exuberant and it's so kind of up there and in your face, yeah. and it's great fun music. But then you pair it back and you read the lyric sheet. Amazing. My God, like poetry at its best. Just, yeah, you know, just astounding. Yeah. Anyway, he will be remembered very fondly, and I know a lot of people uh, making the way to uh, the funeral. Indeed, already uh, we heard uh, that people are gathering there, so um, uh, we will be reporting on that right throughout the day. So to move on then with our panel, an Irish uh, COVID inquiry could have its terms of reference drawn up soon. That's according to the Taoiseach as uh, testimony of former Prime Minister Boris Johnson before the UK inquiry is broadcast to uh, the world. Susan, can I start with you where that is uh, concerned? Is um, a lot of coverage, in fact, of Boris Johnson, particularly in front of that inquiry. Do we need to have an inquiry here? And if so, should we have it as soon as possible? I'm not very political now, right? So what, what I what struck me was I was looking up a few things around it and there was an article by Professor Philip Nolan, yeah? Mm. And he says, right, in this which... Like, I, I don't know much about the man or I don't know a lot about him, but he says, I don't see the value in an inquiry as a piece of political theatre. Mm. Right. And I think that's very profound. But I do see the value in a genuine lesson learned review. And I, for me, it's never about blaming. Right. It's because there's a lot of that goes on. Right. I think as leaders, we need leaders who are able to reflect on their own behaviours and be conscious about what they bring and the examples that they set. Because they are they are voted in there to be our leaders. And do, do I gather from that you have concern? I mean, we're coming up to local elections, European elections, and probably the following year, or whoever knows, there'll be a general election. <laughs> Is the danger that this will be used as political fodder, if you know what I mean? Is well, that... I mean, look, 
I think what happens is when there's unconsciousness, there's fear, right? Mm. So there's fear of not being re-elected. So what do I need to do around that now to be elected? And if that's driven by fear, of course there's going to be, mm. you know, behaviours that... I suppose, aren't coming from what we truly would want as a conscious person. That, like, I hope that most politicians get into it for the reason of doing good and making change and all that. But I'd say, I don't know, I've never been in uh, Leinster House. I mm. have no clue. Mm. But I'd imagine that sometimes it's not very safe to be up there. Mm. You know? Not very safe in the sense in of... In the sense of psychologically safe or relationally mm. safe. Because there's a lot of... Um, like, like I suppose I was even, you know, uh, looking at, you know, the, the back and forth over the immigration and, you mm. know, all that. Like, we're looking at, like, even the fighting up in, or the rioting up in Dublin mm. and all that. Like, people go in there then, politicians, so we've voted in, go in there then, and they have this row in there. Mm. And they're discussing a row that we're after having. Mm. So how is that, what kind of example is that given for the people who had the row or the people who were involved in the row or the people who are fearful of the row if you go in and have another row so, so you where's don't the think it adds to anything I, to be quite honest what, I, what I'd love to see is I'd love to see a space where political leaders because that's what they are right mm -hmm. can have opportunities safely to be able to reflect on what their behaviours are like because for me there must be no safety because when you go into the doll and you start screaming and roaring at each other and you start all mm. this kind of thing instead of like communication is about listening mm. it's about being able to listen to another and not and the, I suppose for me to be able to communicate your needs is not about making the other person agree with you it's about just expressing what your needs are mm. if the other person doesn't agree with you that's fair enough because everybody's entitled to their opinion. But it's about looking at what is the best solution here. And I think the energy mm. that's put into, you know, trying to get into the next time and of all course. that. Of course. Richie, it's, I think at your next uh, council meeting, Susan should be there just to, I think so. just yeah. to give you all <laughs> advice. And, tell you. and set the scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, set yes, the yes, scene. Yes. What do you mean? Do we need a COVID inquiry? And I mean, my, my gut reaction when I was just re and following the one, I can't see the need for it at all, really. Can you not? Because, well, the, my gut thing was that with COVID, it was such a kind of a non... You know, we never came across anything like it before. And, like, by and large, I'd say, as a country, I think we did very well. You know, we'll say even the pandemic payments and that, the hand sanitization, you know, all the, the sanitizers, the PPE, you know, I think everybody kind of did the best they could. And when you start these inquiries now and start pulling and dragging and saying, why did you do it this and why didn't you do it the other way? You'd be often saying, what good does it do? You're kind of going back through it all again. It was slightly different in England, it seems to me, that, you know, Boris Johnson, several ministers, you know, they were having parties behind mm. the scenes. I mean, that seemed to be... Some of the commentary, but let it rip through let, the population. And I mean, think of the people that had loved ones literally yeah. dying. And, like, it's very happy. Is there not an issue, though, with what happened with the nursing homes? And doesn't yeah. that need to be at least discussed if not investigated? There would be that. You could do, like, the reviews because the, the sad part of the nursing homes was that the hardest thing for people, say, visiting their loved ones was that they couldn't get in. You know, they were looking through windows and knocking on the window maybe at Christmas time, showing Granny, who might be deaf and maybe had dementia, Christmas. It, it must have been very, very Dreadful, yes. difficult. But at the same time, I mean, my gut thing is from not, as you say, often with politics, people are trying to think of the correct thing to say and what spin can they change on it. But by and large, I think as a country, we did the best we could. Even the health board, to be fair to them, I'd say, because it was so mm. unprecedented. There was no formula, there was no template that you could fall back. Now, maybe did we go over the top? 
I often feel that loneliness was a bigger killer. Well, even Leo Bradker lately himself questioned the last lockdown, but, you know, there you go. Joe, should there be an inquiry? And if so, what about terms of reference? And who would conduct the inquiry, I guess? Well, I suppose I'm I'm going to take a slightly different line rather than answering your questions. I'll do a real political stunt now and I'll abide what you ask me. Never, never, Joe. Never. I was one of those that I happened to be diagnosed with cancer during COVID. And I was in hospital and I had to, you know, I was, um, people give out to me, but I don't ever mind saying what I say. And I was diagnosed like with, with stage four cancer, like which is kind of up there. So I was in, nobody could come in to see me. I couldn't, I had to tell Yvonne on the phone, you know, I had to arrange someone to be with her before I told her and do all this kind of carry. And now this isn't dramatic. I'm just going back, you know, on what I had to do. Nobody could come next to me. But I came out the other side and I'm here, right? Blah, 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 blah. Touch wood and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at it, I totally agree like what Susan has said about what she said. I, I think we definitely need a review and we should have a review. But I don't think we should have an inquiry. I heard somebody on the radio there yesterday saying, you know, I think it was yesterday or the day before, saying, you know, people should be jailed in the name of God, like jailed, like this is ridiculous, carry on. I think there was pandemic was sweeping the country. It was tearing the country apart. There was people dying left, right and centre. And all we're trying to do was keep them alive. We didn't know what we're at. I had people, when I got diagnosed, I had people, you know, uh, telling me, don't take that vaccination now, don't take that... And they knew everything about all these vaccines and they couldn't spell marmalade. But they knew everything about everything. They were talking about being, you know. And I said to the oncologist, I said, you know, what do I take? He said, Joe, your immune system is on the ground to take whatever they give you. And I took the same thing twice. And then they ran out of that. So I'm back to them again for the third one was different. And I said, what's the story here with this? Joe, take it. Whatever they give you, you take it because that'll help you and that'll keep you on the straight and narrow. You keep taking it. I did what I was told, and here I am. People said, you shouldn't take that. They knew nothing about it. They couldn't spell the name of the bloody thing, but they were still saying, don't take that. So, you know, lockdown, whatever else. We had to lock down. I agree with Richie. I think we did. I think the country, as a country, did a great job. You know, if we did if we did what we were told, did we make mistakes? Of course we did. Why? Because of hindsight. Hindsight is a great thing. You know, like, look, if you're caught this morning for speeding going into Kilsheelan down the road, you're caught speeding, what do you say? Tomorrow, I should have slowed down. Of course I should have slowed down. That's hindsight. You, you know, we're all the same. I think we really, really need an uh, certainly a review. What went right, what went wrong. I meet business people there. They'd be closed today only for they got the money from COVID. Look at the handouts, which was one nobody has condemned, nobody is talking about this. I think we gave way too much money in the beginning to people that were working the place for three days and they got a, a bucket of money then from there on. I think all that needs to be looked at, but there's no one talking about that. All we're talking about is hospitals and the, these mistakes and closing down this. Did we need the third lockdown? If you survive because of the third lockdown, you'd be damn glad there was a lockdown. Mm. My heart goes out to people who lost loved ones in nursing homes. Who I was at funerals and you were standing on the side of the road three feet apart or four feet apart waving at somebody in a car, just let them know you're there. And that was a tragic time. It was a terrible time. It was a dramatic time for us all. But at the end of the day, I still think we did it. We did a good job. I'd be afraid of what Susan and Richie have all said. What'll happen? It will be a p- big political slag and match, especially of before an election. Will. Of course it will. But do you not think that, and, and I put this to, to all of the panel, not just, not just you, Joe, but do you not think what happened with the HSE allowing patients out of hospital, back to nursing homes, bringing with them the virus, which inevitably 
did cause death. I mean, is, uh, is that not... It is, but nobody mentioned Cheltenham. Well, I mean, we can mention Cheltenham. Because, because we are... That, because, that, that, because what happened there was looting, but the, equally the Germans coming in for the... One was a soccer game or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. And, all, and all of those things, like, yeah. and all of those things. So how do we shut down the country and how do we not? And as well as that, we're also another huge... Sorry, but I don't see the comparison between Cheltenham and, and the HSE but sending the, sick the, people back to... But the predicament that we had, Fran, with that, I honestly think this, is a, this was just down to one word, and that was capacity. I think there was no place. These people were arriving into these hospitals sicker as such, and they had to gauge a thing. Do you look after like this is the, when this come, when it gets serious? You look after the nuts and bolts. Do you give the same attention to an eighty-two-year-old as you should to a twenty-one-year-old when you're hitting life and death? You 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 tell me what you do, and that's the hard, cold face facts that's, of life. That's a very big question. But the, and but it's yeah. the truth when it comes down to that. Yeah. And well, what do you make of that, Susan? When it, when it really is because some of the doctors had decisions like that to make. Yeah. When you think about it, life and death. Yeah. Uh, you know, godlike yeah. almost. Uh, what what mm -hmm. do you make of that? I think it's you know I think everybody's life is valuable number one. Yeah. No matter what age you are. Mm -hmm. But I I see your point, and I see that I think that staff like I worked the whole way through it mm. um, I think that that people were so fearful mm. I remember driving down the road and meeting two or three checkpoints you know what I mean I had only like yeah. 15 miles to go and it's where you go and what you do and you had to have your letter like the fear that was instilled in people mm. and it was because we didn't know what we were facing. Yeah. Like, that's the is truth. Is there still fallout from that? Of course there is. And there's going is to be there? fallout for a long time. You know, mm. I think it had a big impact on young people. Uh, I know my lads were, there was one just going into secondary school. And, you know, like it had a huge impact. You know, some, like then the middle lad wouldn't have went to discos or done any of that. He would have missed all that because it was those two, mm. three years. I mean, I think it had a huge impact. My daughter went to Korea. She was six months because she was in her, her third year. Mm. Like she was six, six, sorry, six weeks in quarantine over there you know like mad stuff like it was like it was just the world was up in a heap mad stuff but necessary is that what you're saying I would me? say that right. you know what I would agree that I think people did the best they could with the information they had I don't think even for doctors and nurses and they're in there and they're overwhelmed I can't even fathom what it was like because I wasn't in the hospitals but I worked in hospitals years ago and they were fairly chaotic when it was supposed to be normal. So <laughs> I don't know. Imagine, yeah. do just, know. Just last word on it before we, we, we move on. Um, then, Richie, you think some some form of what exactly? You see, that's it. Like, one line that I have taught during that was that, you know, the way with nursing homes in particular, and you know, yes. it seems kind of a little bit insensitive to say it, but you'll see these headlines patient dies in nursing home mm. almost as if nobody ever died in a nursing home before and it used to create Ah but there were extremes There were extremes I mean we, we had people on, on air here telling us horror stories like, you know, if... There was but like there was a wicked fear kind of whipped up though a lot at the same time Fran I felt at the time now with nursing homes in particular and you know the, the sad facts are when people do go into nursing homes I mean you know you won't be coming out again that's you know tis a, now it's kind of insensitive when I'm saying that I'm conscious of that but but I felt at the time a lot of the stuff was driven and was making people more scared then about their mm. loved ones because they couldn't get in to see them. There was a lot of... If you were doing the review, you could look at those kind of things, you know, 
was, you know, the fact, you know, with say mental health issues, that's the big fallout I mm. see from it afterwards. Mm. The loneliness there. And there's even, I see even up to now, like with support groups and so on, people haven't fully come back. Mm. A lot of older people kind of lost the, the confidence to go So the HSE now paying for advertising to advise to, older people. And you'd still, do, I forget out, what yeah. was on there the other night, there's still a few people wearing the masks. Mm. And when you see that, you kind of say, those people obviously have a fear of going out. Do you know You'd feel, mm. you know, but that's going to take a long, the repercussions, I suppose. And mm. I think as well, Fran, just finally, I think as well as that, I think closing the churches had a huge oh, yeah. impact yeah. on people. Yeah. When I think they closed, some of those were closed unnecessary, like, you know, I think, you know, not so much, not to go too much into mental health, but it was a place of solace and a few minutes was, on your own and all that. I think that's yeah. a huge impact There was well. one, one line I'd say as a last and it's come back to me now, you know, I and I think that, that, you know, sometimes you hear all these things and are they really true, but there was cases of, you said the guards going out to Clan A Beach and summons and people that were outside the front. Now, you know, you take Clan A and the width of it, I mean, that seems a bit... You see, the rules were sometimes implemented very, very rigidly, and to remind you what it must have been like in a common estate, mm. almost. But I suppose, in the bigger picture, it probably more or less had to yeah, be done. Do you, do you know what I'm taking from this conversation is, though, how our memories have been dulled to mm. some degree? Because even as we talk about it, some stuff coming back to you there, yes. uh, uh, Richie. Yes. And, and uh, a cynic... Uh, one of our listeners who was cynical yesterday made the point that you know the longer you leave it the more the memories will be dulled and maybe that will sort of you know yeah, ease it's them. almost if you were saying now straight after what year was it yeah, you're saying was it last year I was yeah. now definitely going back to funerals and one particular funeral and I, I can say it is the, the late Brian Maguire was one of the first yeah. people to be buried and that funeral was so so sad you know because everyone was terrified then and you know, for families, you'd no proper grieving process or anything like that. But at the time, I suppose people were so terrified of us. Let, let me take a break. We'll be back with our panel in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie and welcome back to our Friday panel. And uh, Councillor Richie Malloy is with us, Joe Leahy and Susan O'Donoghue. And we're moving on. The Rural Independent Group heavily criticised amid uh, heated scenes in the Doyle on Wednesday after putting forward a motion urging the government to change its reckless immigration policy as they see it. Uh, the motion called for an immediate cap to be implemented on the influx of asylum seekers and sought an explanation as to why unvetted single males, many from safe countries, are being accommodated in centres in small rural locations without any consultation uh, whatsoever with local communities. Now, there's a lot of argy-bargy over this. Richard, do you want to take this uh, first of all? Um, I think we all knew from the start that this wouldn't be a calm, collected discussion, that, you know, there was going to be polar uh, sides on this. Absolutely. I think it was a very good to be, you know, to have it finally brought out into the open, because certainly I could say as a public rep for the last couple of months, that, that is coming through from the general public. Is it? Because, is is well, it the big issue? It, it is, because, you see, at the start of it all, you, and talking about political correctness that we were saying before the break, you'd be almost afraid to say that there should be any sort of a cap out there at all. You know, because it looked as if you were kind of not sympathetic mm. to the war mm. in the Ukraine and that. And, you know, at the very start, of course your heart w- would pour out to the people that were in those positions. But, but it, it definitely there is a lot of 
there, people coming in, you know, the way they're saying that they're coming in with no passports, no proper ID. But I see it from the housing lists alone, the GPs, and even from just the local Tipperary area, there's huge pressure. And when I meet the ordinary person on the street, they're saying that how can we accommodate any more people? But it's not politically nice to say that. And I feel with the rural independence, by bringing it onto the doll floor, no matter what was said, mm-hmm. it's kind of getting it out there that there is a problem. You see, even, even at council meetings there, when the war broke out in Ukraine, you couldn't bring it onto the floor because straight away people would start to say, so you don't care about the people in the Ukraine. And it's not that you don't care about the people in the Ukraine, but you realise from meeting the ordinary person on the street and you see, you know, you would see the odd, like in, even in the Clamell area now, homelessness is creeping mm. in. And at an official level, they don't want to admit there's anyone sleeping in a tent. And yet you can see it down in the blue way if you went down to this morning. And, so, but did you not think that, I mean, the, the so-called debate then, it, it got into insults and it got into all sorts of nonsense, uh, but it didn't deal with the core the core issue. You see, there, there is, and I'm not even certain, the, the, the myth seems to be that it's a European directive and that we've no choice. And then you see other European countries that seem to have a yes. choice. And now straight away, I think the other night they've put out some directive, 70-something people were turned away from the centre in Dublin. The, the, the department said, we don't have any housing. Yes. They're saying that now. Well, there's different tiers of... Asylum seekers and refugees, you see, and that's that's what's causing see, a lot of the, the issue. And the other myth there about, you know, we, we, like the popular one always is that well, when we were the Irish now, we went to America in big droves and we went everywhere. But America is a massive country and yes. Ireland, I'd say, is a very tiny island. I mean, how far can you go? Like, I really feel there has to be a cap and that that's definitely filtering right. through the clinics of TDs. And, and, and finally, before we move on from you, Richie, uh, Holly Carnes in particular hit very hard at uh, the Rural Independence, and she said that even having the discussion in that manner was stoking tensions, it was going to... I don't, I don't agree with that, because, see, that phrase, the far right, is thrown out morning, noon and night. But you remember that thing when you had Bin Laden and Al-Qaeda? Yes. Every single thing that ever happened around the world, Al-Qaeda did that, whether they did or they didn't. Now it's the far right to it. I mean, we need a bogeyman, is that it? So, and it kind of sounds kind of a one. I never heard the word far right used so much, but I feel you have to. Sometimes with people in the Oireachtas, they can be a bit cut off. I think from what's really actually happening. It would be like even if you look back at the rights in Dublin, those things are in the background, and the ordinary person knows yeah. that it's there. But yet, it seems to be such a shock to the bottom. Yeah. What? What did, did, were you following any of that uh, debate, Susan? Or I only glimpsed at it. Yeah. If I'm going to be honest, but I suppose I'll go back to the consciousness again. I think that leaders need opportunities to be able to reflect on their own behaviours because, for me, it's like being they're the architects of the family, basically. Right? It's the same thing. As a parent, are you going to go out there and start? beating each other up in front of your children abusively, yeah? And think that your children won't think that that's okay then. Because they're setting the standard. They're basically, Mm. they're they're setting the culture around the country. So if we have rights, right, and then you go up and have a verbal, you know, back and forth at each other, uh, that's abusive in a sense, right? Like, what's that saying? Well, is that not the nature of our political system. I mean, if you look at the House of Commons, we're, we're calm and benign by comparison to some But of the, the idea of it is, is that, look, if we're going to go out there and blame and shame and do things like that to people, right, there's no progress. Mm. The energy that goes into that. Let's put our energy into saying, all right, this is where we're at. 
what do we need to do around it? How can we support each other in that? And I know that they're from different sides mm. and I know they want to be re-elected. But realistically, your job as a leader is mm. to go in there and lead. It's to show people the behaviours that you expect. Yes. That's my take on it now. Can you not have a conversation, though, about topics that are contentious without being branded in some way as racist, far-right, whatever? The thing it is. seems to be the way that that's, that's nearly a defensive way of communicating now, isn't it? That if I call you the worst thing in the world, yeah. right, you will back off, yeah. right? So the thing about it is, is when we stick labels on people, it's very dangerous, yeah? That means that you're not allowed then to express how you feel around it. It's just like Richie was saying, there's certain things that are politically incorrect. If you feel that way, you feel that way. Mm. So how is it that you can't express you feel that way? It doesn't mean how you feel is the same way everybody else feels. Yes. But and, and maybe if you hear but some you more should, information, you should be allowed knowledge. a platform. Of course you should. And yeah. I mean, if 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 you should be open to to listening to others, mm. and therefore, if they have mm. something to say, your mind might change because we're all entitled to have our minds, you know, change not, our mind. N- not in Leinster House, I would imagine. <laughs> would would you would you change too many minds, Joe? What what did you make of? Uh, let's just talk about the so-called debate first of all, because there was very little debate really. It was just hurling but insults, I think. But sure, it's politics, right? Mm. Like I said black, you'll say white. I said green, you'll say blue. It's politics. Like, that's exactly, you know, they're, they're, like the, the the government that's in power, they will say, no, we did this right and we did that right. <coughs> and what a, what a lot of them do, if you stand back, if I often sit back, like as I always say, in the ass of your pants and take a look at this, a debate lasts for a length of time. So the quicker you can kill that length of time, then the less you say and the, the, that time is gone. Right. Like, you know, so if we, we're here for an hour, says so one. So if we waffle on enough, we'll waffle on and waffle on. Just said it's a topic that we agree before we come in that we don't go on to talk about this at all, but we won't tell Fran. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll waffle on and waffle on and waffle on and waffle on. Like, on, like, like yeah. I'm doing now, and nothing will happen. Right. And we won't get to this other topic, you know. And I think, but when you look at it, like, I, I you know, we really have to do something about the number of people mm. that are coming in. We definitely have to. And whether we like it or we don't like it, whether we made mistakes, like the biggest thing they could do is put up their hand and say, yeah, we got this wrong or we got this slightly wrong. But if you do that, then the other other group then come on, oh, we told you you wouldn't listen to us and all that. And it's back to popularity again. Mm. But I think we have. I think our numbers have swelled way too much in, in what we have. Uh, yeah. There's a strange balance to it, though, Fran, because if you go into a lot of uh, the hospitality businesses, let it be taxis, let it be, you know, restaurants, you know, the vast majority of people you meet now are non-nationals. Yeah. If you go into the hotels, they're, they're non-nationals. If you go to a taxi, they're and, non-nationals. And we need, and we need these And we people. need them. Yeah. If you go into the medical side of it, you know, nursing, between nurses yeah. and all that, they're, they're, all, they're non-nationals. Yeah. So where would we be without them? But the thing is, how we look after them when they come here is another day's work. Right, but but these are all different groupings of people, yes. though, and and you see the trouble is they're all thrown into, into the one conversation, yes. and and then it doesn't make sense, you know. I mean, the rebuttal to to Matty and the Healy Rays the other day was, oh, should we need these people for our hospital? But they're a different cohort of people altogether. Totally, I totally agree with you. you know? a, that's my point. They're a different cohort of people, and that is where the vetting needs to come yes. in and on that. I wouldn't be too sure though, like you know, about consultation, like we'll say with local communities, because. You can have any kind of a gangster that can buy a house in any part of the world and there's no communication with local communities. If so-and-so is rehoused in an area, there's no 
big, mm. you know, whatever, with local communities. So I, I wouldn't be too good on that Richie, approach Richie, is that much. the big problem? I mean, if you come to me and you consult with me before you bring in 74 single males from someplace, guess what I'm going to say? And, you, and know? Look, you could even widen that out a bit to the travelling community. Yeah. I mean, Very often people point. say, oh, the local authorities should have consulted everyone. And, you know, I know from talking to the director of housing, she said, don't you know the answer? Yeah. The answer is no. no. Everybody will say they Nimby. want the white male Isn't doctor my from backyard, Canada, yeah. but yeah. they don't want anybody else. Yeah. Or even, uh, more as an aside, I remember canvassing at one stage and there was someone saying, oh, there's a big housing development going over there. And the old lady, but who's going in there? And the man that was with me or whoever said, oh, it's the elderly. Oh, grand. The elderly were fine, but if there's anybody else, they would, you know. There'd be a problem, so yeah. I can't see, as you say, consultations there would be, in truth, it would be very difficult to do yeah. that. But at the same time, touching a bit on Cashel and, you know, the 74 males, that did seem to be crazy. And yeah. it was great, that kind of common sense. Well, what, what, whatever about the consultation, but I mean, if you impose those numbers on an area without the services to back yeah. it up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. the bottom line is, like, and you see, I find that government departments as a whole, they don't really want to admit that if you, in the morning, tried to ring a GP, say you were suddenly given a medical card, you'd find it very hard to get a GP. Sure, and they want you then, I was with a lady the other day, the HSE then want you to go back in with three refusals. Now this all mm-hmm. takes time, three written refusals to say that you couldn't get a GP in your area and then they will assign somebody from the panel. But this, you can imagine the process involved here, and that's coming up more and more. So I'd be saying to myself then, well, if we can't manage that, mm. we'd have to say there must be a cap. It's not the word And against... if we're putting people in tents now, are, are we full, Richie? Well, we are full, because it, like, if someone came to me tomorrow and said, I'm homeless, what will I do next? I'll contact the the homeless action team in the county council who will tell you we have no emergency accommodation. That will be number one. Then we'll have to go through this whole rigmarole. Did you try DAFT.ie? And the person looking at you said, Are you cra- of course I've done all that. Especially single mm. males. I only came across an ex And these will be Irish people. Irish yeah. people. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. and, and every one of the people that I've met anyway will always say, now don't think now that I'm racist. Because they're terrified of being accused of being mm. racist. But at the same time, the bottom line is there is no houses there, especially for single men. I mean, this man that's in my mind now was an ex-soldier, has suddenly been given the notice to quit. Where does he go next? That's why you need that emergency hostel in Cashel. Should have been, if that was taken out of the system, we'd be finished of completely. Course, yeah. So they're the common sense but, kind of things. Sorry. sorry, Joe, go on. No, I, but I think as well, what needs to be defined as well, I think, Joe, is this word accommodation. Like, what is accommodation? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're coming, say, from Gaza or from Ukraine or somewhere, like a tent is them welcome accommodation. But then when you get here, yeah. is the tent good enough? You know what I mean, to be honest. With you. So what the, kind of accommodation? The, these things are relative. These things are relative. Before I leave it, Susan, I mean, and again, we're getting back to your expertise. Is fear really what's behind a lot of the difficulties here? I think fear, like, I mean, even like we're talking about, you know, uh, politicians, I suppose, they're the architects of the family. How is it that, like, how is it that they don't have the safety to express what's really happening for them? How is it that they get labelled different things when they do express it? How is it that someone can't say exactly how they feel and be held in that and say, well, look, we look into that or can we talk about it or this is how I feel about it? Mm. And Because communication is not about convincing someone else. It's about getting true to yourself. Yeah. So maybe that's listening is the first act of communication. So maybe it's listening to somebody else and taking on board 
what they feel because maybe something they say might touch into something new and you'll go yeah that's that's more of a direction now I'd like to go in I think fear drives all that kind of unconsciousness do you know what I mean and the fact that we're putting loads of money I don't know how much but loads and loads and loads and loads of money into housing into health into all these things right and it's still falling apart. You know, I think that the systems are made up of individuals and it's supporting the individual within the system is key to supporting the system. It's not about just talking about mm. it like it's a, an entity on its own. It's people in it that work in it and people on the ground need to be spoken to. How is it for you, you know? All right, can we move on then to a really serious subject which is Conor McGregor um, for president. Um, he's outlined his potential route to become the president of Ireland saying, I'd fancy my chances and he's reportedly being investigated of course by Irish police at the moment um, over his social media posts around the, the riots in Dublin in uh, November but the former UFC champion has expressed confidence in taking up a position of power in his home country. Um, Joe, do you, do, do you want to go with that one first? Uh, McGregor for president. I mean, he hasn't a notion of a chance. Sure he, he has He wouldn't because. want to be dependent on number one for me anyway. Right. <laughs> because what? He'd need 20 of the sitting members of the Oireachtas and or at least four of the county councils. Is that? But that's, it, but that's not the beyond the bounds of possibility the way Ireland is today. Do you think? Oh yeah. To be honest, it's not wow. 20 Oireachtas members, Fran. It's not beyond the bounds of possibility. If you stop Conor McGregor. Think, Conor McGregor. Yeah, Conor McGregor. Yeah. I don't think it's beyond the beyond the bounds of possibility. I don't think he's the right person for the job. I wouldn't vote for him in Munter Sundays. I don't think he should be nixed nor near the place, like good, bad or indifferent. I think it's a disgraceful, you know, but as a proposition even to put an individual like him up there. But as I said before, you know, we've seen dust into the Eurovision. So, like, we're capable of doing a lot of daft things in this whole country of ours, you know. Uh, but he's not, he's totally unsuitable, the wrong image of the country, the wrong, like, is he good at, at his profession? Brilliant at his profession. Mm. Hold on. Brilliant at one aspect of his profession. Let's nail it down here. I wouldn't yeah. like to, I wouldn't like an individual like that next or near the place. But Richie, there's a lot of disenfranchised males out there of a certain age who could easily be swayed here. In, in Absolutely. Uh, the image I have of Conor McGregor in my head. I'm now just going to get talking. you to come a little closer oh, to that for me, Richie. The, the image I have of Conor McGregor in my mind as we're talking is of I know he throwing a chair at a bus was, as it yeah. left the airport. In the states, yeah. But. And, and yet I hear one of his slogans will be that no tolerance for any antisocial behaviour type of thing. <laughs> it's so yes. crazy. But as Joe has said, when you think of dust in the turkey, I mean, we, we finished ourselves in the Eurovision by doing that. Mm. And But it would be hard to see 20 Iraqis, and with four county councils, that would take some down to get four counties. Because, you mean, know, the party... I not see any local authority I, I, I think it would be nuts that. because, I mean, in fairness with the president we have now, you know, you can see you have to be a person of a certain stature, even a certain age, really. Yes. You know, it's hard to see a president going in there in their 40s. You need someone that has life. Mm. And that's why I admire our president that can, as you say, you know, Susan, what you were saying... People are afraid to speak out. The president now can speak whatever way he likes because whether the government like it or they don't like it, there's yeah. nothing much they can do. And you need one person like that. But if you have someone in there like Colin McGregor who decides to speak off, where would you? you you'd destroy where, the country. Where, where really, would you, know? you be? But yeah. what does it say about us, Susan, at this particular time that this is even a remote possibility. What, what? Well, I think that when you even look at Trump, like that was a shock well, and a half. <laughs> like that, that took me by. I was absolutely stunned that he got in. Um, but again, was it not about a disenfranchised 
mm. aspect of the population. Yeah, people you know? are people are looking for change. Let's mm. face the fact. Like I mean, like you know, we're all so fearful now to say anything because we'll be politically incorrect or mm. we'll get into trouble or we'll be labelled something. And I think that's driving it. Fear is driving it. Yeah, because people want change. Mm. They want honesty. They want. And one thing he probably does is he's honest. He may not to himself what he's thinking. He says it straight out without you know, and. Like, even though it doesn't sit right for me, what he says, but people just like the fact that he says what he thinks. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, it may not be good for people or it may not be correct behaviour or whatever you want to call it. And there's probably unconsciousness driving it from his own story. But he says it and he says it out and he's not afraid to say it. Whereas for a lot of politicians, I don't know, I'm only guessing here now, mm. but I'd imagine that it's very fearful to be honest and truthful. And, and young males who might feel that they're not represented in any way. Yeah. This this macho image, this yeah. guy who, you know... Yeah. Uh, and there was another guy, his name escapes yeah, me now. Who, you know what I'm talking about? I know was exactly. he in jail Ta- over... Tate. Tate. Tate, 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 Tate. Was it, yeah. Andrew Tate, was yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Like, he's another one. Like, and our young people, our young males especially, yeah. thought he was fabulous. Like yeah, that's but, but so anti, fearful. Anti-woman, uh, anti-everything, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like I suppose dangerous ground there, isn't it? Yeah. Like it really is, and like that's kind of because they speak out and because they look. And I think, you know, like Fran, we spoke about it here one time about you know you said that like sometimes as a man you feel like. You know, I didn't do all these things because, mm. you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, I suppose perpetrators yeah, would be, you know. Yeah. and that like all men were painted yeah, with, the, with, with the same, same brush. Yes. Yeah. So I suppose for our young males, are they feeling that? Yeah. I don't know. I'm only guessing. So is this what they're looking at then? And they're saying, yeah, males are, you know. Yeah. T- that's, so that's kind of re- interesting, Joe. And, you know, with your seesaw hat on, on you, are you finding young lads coming in and needing help, for example. No, well, that the, the challenge, uh, Fran, is for the young lads to come in. Right, like to I get wish, them in I, in the first place. To get them in in the first place. Like, I wish to God they would come in, you know, because you're going to come in, sit down, you know, as soon as they come in, sit down and have a chat. You know what I mean? Now you've made the major step because you've come in the door. Now you're there. Now at least you're talking. There's somebody there to listen, share their burden and understand, look, that there's a further than you than the problem you have today. There's a big, you know, there's more to life going forward. But if you throw in all these things into the mix, uh, you know, young people are coming forward. Young people are fantastic. Mm. A huge amount of young people are absolutely fabulous people. And uh, I can't say enough about good people. But then there are this other cohort. More than in any topic you mm. want to bring up, there's this other cohort. And one of the things that would be interesting, you know, uh, now to be dangerous, but to be interesting, that if Conor McGregor did get on the ticket, what kind of a vote would he get? Now that would tell you something. No, to be dangerous to get him on the ticket. Mm. So we'll be careful. Well, if you're to believe the Sunday Independent ball, he wouldn't have anything worth talking well, about at all. But, but when you're looking you at know. these, this and these these people, yeah. well, these other group people. But then again, have they a vote? Those people, and even if they had, would they vote anyway? Would they vote? Would yeah. they do it at all? Is yeah. it only all? You see, the thing about the social media and all that, like, there's on mouth. I can do it here and now. There's no commitment. I can say what I want. You're a time, you know, friend. Take a hike. Look, and that's words because it's all gone out, and there's no commitment to that. Yes. You know, the thing about going out and the vote, I think, you know, you need to see, you know, you need to see who you want to put in power, who you want making the decisions, who do you want to go back to Susan's world, the Richard, they're the leaders, who do you want, you know, to represent. Yeah, and you won't agree with them all. But I think the president, you know, I think Michael D, you know, Michael D will go down there to Nina today to that funeral. And we need, none of us need to have one bit of worry. 
but he'll do it right, he'll mm-hmm. do it well, and he'll say the right things. Yeah, and he'll have the perfect wording. And to, he'll have to, the to perfect to wording. And, up, yeah. and it'll go, if it goes worldwide, you don't yeah. have to be worried. The, the, the only thing I would say to you is, Richie, that this conversation plays into our last. When you mentioned the difficulty, if you're a single male of a certain age, to even get accommodation into, into your, your retirement years. It's very it, difficult. It, and, you know, and I often find, you know, you were about Susan with political correctness. You see, the structures are almost geared not to have that raised because that portrays an image that we're not on top of it somehow. You know the way, like, if you're in the guards, the chief super has to almost say, you know, like, I've often went to things over the years and they'd almost convinced you there was no crime at all. You know, numbers were down. Yeah. And you know, well, of course, people have stopped reporters because they feel they won't get anywhere. That would be the real truth. But it can look on paper, no, 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 crime is down. And Or if you started saying, no, speeding is down now, it might just mean that there was nobody checking you know, you can spin it anyway, course, like. Yeah. But definitely for people, uh, single men, and even taking what you're saying about McGregor, you know, you particularly a character like Mick Wallace. I mean, I think he's when he ran for the doll, he said, "I'm doing no clinics, nothing like that." But I'm there, and I'm flamboyant, and of course you have the money, and you know what? It did like in those numbers, he did get out the mm-hmm. numbers, and yeah. he got elected. And not only that, but to the European Parliament. It's a strange thing. So are we primed now, really, for somebody to emerge? It mightn't be McGregor, mightn't be McGregor. but it could be somebody of that ilk, is that? I, I think, I, I'm trying to think of the difference with the round for the presidency the first time was a Sean Gallagher and that, um, and Peter Casey. Yeah, Peter Casey, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that, those campaigns took, like, one, getting on the ticket is the thing, yeah. and when you're on the ticket... Well, Peter Casey was doing absolutely zero until he took on board the whole traveller. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that brought out Discussion. a whole streak that we might want to admit, you know, including us uh, all, really, uh-huh. I suppose, in one way, but he brought out the numbers then. My and God, that, yeah. that showed you... But, but, but if you look at... Sorry, Rich, we're going to cross here. If you look at another character now, and I'm not comparing this individual now to Conor McGregor before anything happens, before we get letters in the door. I'm not doing any of that. But look at Ming Flanagan. Mm. You know, yeah. he came around like... And he reported a guard for trying to help him to get off his beating case mm. or something like this. Or yeah. he had his phone up to his ear or something and around about her. I forget the exact detail. Let me clarify. Yeah. But not alone did he get elected. He got re-elected. Mm. Yeah. You know, and here he is as an MEP, you know. And here he was this character. Like in in the Ireland that we were in back then, he was way before his time per se. And he got elected in rural Ireland. In rural Ireland. Yes, well, the turf played a yeah. fair old part I, in I that. Did, but too, still, isn't it any wonder that Dustin the turkey got out of the European <laughs> with that kind of carry-on? There, I must leave it. But thank you all so much for being an excellent panel today. To Susan, uh, to Joe, and uh, to Richie as well. Thanks very much Thanks indeed for, uh, for that. Now, we will have coverage right throughout the day here on Tip FM of Shane's uh, funeral as the cortege uh, makes its way uh, to uh, Nina. So that's it uh, from me for today. Thanks to Emma, who produced, and Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel. I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.